Hi, I'm Trevor, and welcome to Catching Up on Cinema's 200th episode. That's right, somehow, some way, Kyle and I managed to rack up a total of 200-ish episodes. Uh, I say ish because, uh, more accurately, uh, we have posted well over 300 podcasts on the Catching Up on Cinema feed. Uh, however, uh, as far as like standard weekly episodes go, I think we reached 200 this week? Truthfully, I'm not entirely certain that we have, in fact, arrived at 200 episodes, but we're calling it now Wild Things 1998 is our 200th episode. Um, so I just wanted to take an opportunity before the episode proper, because I don't think I did this during the actual episode, to thank our listeners, anybody out there who's ever pressed the play button on the show. Uh, thank you so much. Uh, we'd love to hear from you. I'll just make that known right now. Um, as well as uh, our collaborators, all the hosts and personalities that we've had interactions with uh, via the show um, and the world of podcasting. Harrison Jordan from Grief Burrito. Thanks again for the logo, bud. Uh, way better than anything I ever could have done. Steampunk Link, or uh, Chasing Keys, I think, is the title now. Uh, and Emmy Zero from the Snescapades podcast. Uh, Chris uh, from Play Comics. Uh, we did a collaboration a long time ago that I, you know, I'd really like to follow up on someday. Richie from the Super Media Bros podcast. Hope to work with you again soon. Um, and of course, uh, Brian and Michelle uh, from the Movies for Life podcast. Uh, really delighted to have worked with you the one time on our Tales from the Shelf uh, collaboration with Brad. And speaking of Brad from the Send of Speak podcast, uh, thanks a lot, bud. Uh, I've, I've really appreciated having the opportunity to get to know you and chat with you uh, every month on Tales from the Shelf, as well as just, you know, on the Twitter or whatever. Uh, it's, ju it's just nice to know you, man. I can't forget Nick. Uh, always love having you on the show, bud. Uh, you are always welcome, and I really look forward to you and Kyle doing some more uh, installments of My Brother Pissed on Me. I also can't forget my brother Matt. Um, love you, bro. I didn't even know what a podcast was uh, until you said, bust out the mic, let's talk for two hours about some stupid bullshit. <laughs> that was kind of a, a scary time for both of us, so I really, uh, I really valued uh, the opportunity to just spend time with you. Uh, for a couple hours really appreciate that bro <laughs> um but also for you know guesting on the show especially in times of need when like kyle was absent uh and also having me on on both of your podcasts um the hollywood brunettes wrestling podcast most recently but also um, looking forward to doing the year-end wrap-up with you guys uh on the couch co-op uh podcast um that being said uh Thank you uh, for getting us to 200 episodes. Uh, hopefully you've enjoyed the ride. I most certainly have. And uh, stay tuned for around the one hour and 45 minute mark of this episode because uh, Kyle and I take a minute to uh, just reminisce a little bit about some of our favorite episodes and uh, favorite movies that we've uh, encountered uh, in, in conducting the podcast all these years. And uh, enjoy the show.
Hi, I'm Kyle. And I'm Trevor, and welcome to Catching Up on Cinema. If you aren't familiar with the program, Catching Up on Cinema is a film analysis podcast wherein we introduce each other to films, expand our cinematic horizons, and, in essence, catch up on our cinema. So it is the month of November 2022, and we are at the tail end of our No Nut November event Mm -hmm. month. Uh, Essentially what that entails is uh, Kyle and I have been uh, reviewing erotic thrillers. Uh, specifically American erotic thrillers uh, from the 1980s through the 1990s. And we've kind of been doing so in chronological order, uh, and it's only fitting that we kind of uh, end things by taking a look at something that came out uh, at the tail end of the 1990s, and that would be uh, Wild Things, uh, directed by John McNaughton from 1998. Um, Kyle. Do you have any comments up front about this one? Because I know, I know you and I, we we both went into this one fairly blind. I thought this one would be novel, just because this film just happens to have come out during a time period where you and I were very much aware of pop culture. But it also just happens to be a time period where the erotic thriller was very much on the out, like on its way out. Like mm-hmm. we weren't really doing these kinds of movies as intensely as we were. Uh, in in say the basic instinct days oh yeah so uh this one uh i remember the cover distinctly in the blockbuster it had nev campbell and uh, denise richards like halfway their heads like sticking out of a pool basically and you had uh kevin bacon and matt Dillon on the front and i remember walking past it as a kid and i'm just like man that looks like a sophisticated adult picture uh i don't think i'm gonna probably not going to ever watch that but i'm sure it's uh it's pretty good and uh yeah so the erotic thriller was on its way out but high schoolers having sex was really in in the late 90s uh because the year after this was uh, cruel intentions uh so yeah we were shifting gears at this point and that's what this movie's about high schoolers having sex or with a teacher Yes, uh, this was very much the era of MTV as a reality television platform rather Mm. than a music video platform. Although, they were still cranking out some really amazing music videos in 1998, that is for For fucking sure. Um, But this was around the time when, you know, the real world and like TRL and all that stuff was starting to come to the fore rather than just strictly, you know, music video content or even MTV news and whatnot. But yeah, teenagers were fucking like rabbits on the silver screen uh, in the late 90s through the early 2000s. It's kind of funny because I I had a similar experience with the cover art for this film, Kyle. Um, You described it very accurately. Um, but I remember being a, a young person and seeing it and thinking it was like a horror movie or something. <laughs> like, I thought they were like monster women, like swamp ladies that were going to like, like they're vampires or like alligator people or something. <laughs> because if you pull up the image, it does have kind of like a horror vibe to it. But um, no, it's just meant to be smexy. It's meant to be very sexy. Uh, the tagline is, they're dying to play with you. It's like, you sure they aren't trying to kill me? Because I'm pretty sure they're trying to kill me. <laughs> like, but, you know, it is what it is. But, yeah, this was a funny pick, uh, folks at home, because uh, I don't remember a whole lot of hype uh, surrounding this one at the time of its release. However, I understand that in years since, uh, it's kind of developed a bit of a cult following to some degree. I know uh, Arrow, uh, Arrow Video recently put out, I think, a 4K edition of this one. Uh, and, it, and they probably gave it the premium treatment and everything, but 
I don't. I do know that this movie has fans. I'm. I'm even now having seen the film for the first time. Not really a fan of it. Um, though I will say I was seldom bored uh, during my viewing experience. And uh, again, because it came out during this kind of time period where I was very much aware of the people and events going on in the world, uh, the cast is quite a lot of fun. There's a lot of familiar faces, and everybody, to their credit, shows up for this. Like nobody phones it in for the most part. It's just the the script is a little clunky at times. Like the progression of the story is a little obnoxious from time to time. But I don't know. I I have seen far worse erotic thrillers in my day. <laughs> like even within this month, I I can say that because because uh, yeah, Sliver and Jade, I would put second to this one for sure. Yeah, you're right. I did like this is a stupid movie. It's pretty silly, but it's engaging. Like you're paying attention the whole time. Uh, the twists get pretty soap opery, like it turns into kind of a cheesy soap opera, uh, as like, I'd say the last third of the movie. Uh, but yeah, you're never bored. It's, it's entertaining for sure. And, and I don't know if it's because of the clunky writing, but you are just kind of like, what is going on? There is something going on here. I think there's more to it than we are aware of, uh, as viewers. Uh, and I, they did get me with a legit twist. Uh, the first twist was like, oh, wow, I actually did not see that coming. Every other twist that's coming, you can see coming from a mile away. Um, there, is a, there is a tooth thread in this that doesn't make sense, because, or is pretty silly because it doesn't make sense in real life, like how it worked out, but we'll, we'll get to that. Um, so this movie, I think, has the most plot summaries I've seen on IMDb and also has the longest plot summary I've seen on IMDb I will spare you that uh, I will read the top one I believe that's the official uh, IMDb plot summary uh, a police detective uncovers a conspiracy behind a case involving a high school guidance counselor when accusations of rape are made against him by two female students uh, just bare bones that's a pretty decent plot summary uh, I wish I would have watched the trailer for this before I watched it. Just the 90s trailer, just to kind of see how they advertised it. Because this was supposed to be a sexy film, I'm pretty sure. It was, but actually that's one of my objections to it. Is that I didn't find it altogether all that sexy. Like, like I don't I don't know if it's just because we've been bombarded with, with smexy films this entire film. Like, this entire month. Um, I mean, Basic Instinct <laughs> and Fatal Attraction are quite wet. <laughs> but... This movie, it, it's it's soggy. It's not it's not all the way wet. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, the hottest scene isn't even with our main cast. It's with the mom, because, whoa, dude, that cut is something else in this movie. Yowza. For real, man. Like, that is, that's a, yeah, somebody in the editing bay had a lot of fun with that. <laughs> Who was on, oh, yeah, I want to see the director that day. Can you guys, close set, close set. Just, uh, <laughs> just the three of us on this one. <laughs> yeah, in the words of Simon Gruber, someone had fun. <laughs> uh, yeah, let's, uh, let's break down this cast. We got Kevin Bacon playing uh, Ray, if I'm not mistaken. Is that his name, Detective Ray? Yeah, Duquette, I believe is his last name. Ray Duquette. Uh, Matt Dillon, who plays Sam, the guidance counselor. Uh, Nev Campbell playing Susie, one of the uh, high school girls. Denise Richards, Kelly, the other high school girl. Bill Murray playing an attorney, which that's a lot of fun in this. Uh, <laughs> Robert Number Two Wagner, who is somebody to this family. I'm not sure if he's a grandpa or a lawyer. Stepdad, I think. Stepdad. Stepdad. Okay. I think so. 
Uh, and then Teresa Russell playing Kelly's mom. That's our, our main cast of characters. Yeah. Uh, everybody is very, very familiar for the most part. Everybody shows up. Um, Kevin Bacon is listed as executive producer on this, by the way. Oh, yeah. Um, so I'm sure he had final cut, and I'm sure he watched the movie before he allowed it into theaters and was perfectly okay with every take that they included in the final cut of the film. Yeah, I was calling him Bacon Bits, just because that's Nick Nick and I just called him Bacon Bits. Uh, but <laughs> because, because there's a scene in this movie, I'm like, wow, I was on the nose with Bacon Bits. Uh, we'll get to that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's probably the most notable trivia factoid about this film this was that was literally the only thing i knew about this movie going in like i didn't know anything about the structure or the like the twists and turns that it takes all i knew was kevin, you see a lot of kevin bacon in this film <laughs> it's like that that's all i knew going in but, but yeah he was listed as executive producer and i found that very fascinating but um i will point out the director uh john mcnaughton not a household name but if you look at his filmography it's kind of all over the place like largely a television director um but kind of his claim to fame was he directed henry portrait of a serial killer mm-hmm. uh, which is a film with a reputation mostly good but uh quite the intense film as far as i understand uh, with michael rooker um but then there's just this long gap where it's just kind of like I mean, he did sex, drugs, and rock and roll. I know that just by the title, but his career as a feature film director is very shallow. Like, he has not done a whole lot. However, I will point out, um, Bill Murray seems to be somebody he works with. Uh, He has at least three films on his filmography with Bill Murray in them, so they must have some sort of working relationship um but as a director i don't know of like a specific flavor or like trend uh, that you can attach to his his type of work i guess Uh, so he doesn't really stand out to me in any way um matt dillon um he's i i've always kind of liked matt dillon like Mm -hmm. i feel like this this is how you use your matt dillon like, I feel like sleazy Matt Dillon is the correct usage of your Matt Dillon. <laughs> it's good. This is the right way. I mean, there's something about Mary. He's awesome in that, for sure. Uh, That's what I'm talking yeah, about. Yeah, he's sleazy in that. <laughs> uh, yeah. I think the house that Jack built is probably one of my favorites uh, with him. He fits into that role like a glove. It's pretty great. Uh, and there's actually a moment in this, I'm like, dude, this just segues, segues perfectly into uh, <laughs> the house that Jack built. Um because there's definitely a body wrapped in saran wrap, <laughs> or body wrapped in plastic in that movie. Spoiler. Unofficial uh, prologue chapter to, to Lars von Trier's House the Jack Bill. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, Matt Dillon, like he, his, I, I was shocked. His career began in the late 70s. Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, I knew he'd been doing it for a long time, but I didn't know it to trace back into that decade. But um, I know early in his career, he was kind of known as like the the teen heartthrob from mm-hmm. a lot of the se hinton uh film adaptations like if you've been to american public school most of us have had to read se hinton at one point or, or watch the outsiders it, correct yeah tex uh the outsiders um apparently there's one other that he also did the Rumblefish uh, from 1983 yeah. Um, but yeah that was him in his early days but around this time I'm, i just I'm, I'm always curious about like the the arc of people's careers this was the same year as there's something about mary 
Um, and just a oh. year prior, he had a small role in In and Out, which is a, a comedy that I don't know if it uh, holds up to the social standards of 2022, but at the time, I thought it was pretty funny. Which one? Just saying. Uh, in and Out. Oh, I didn't see that one. <laughs> uh, uh, I did see Kevin Little... Kevin uh, I know the cover very, very well. Uh, we all it, do, Kyle. Yeah, <laughs> very easy to remember. Uh, I did see him in Little Darlings, which was 1980. I do remember him in that. Uh, he was the wow. cool dude riding a dirt bike. Uh, that and sounds then, right. Did he have a leather jacket, or did I he have rem- a cut-off sleeve jacket? It was like they were at like uh, there was like a boys' camp and a girls' camp, and it was about a girl losing her virginity. It's uh, it's a coming of age tale. Um, gotcha. Uh, Outsiders, he has the most iconic line, do it for Johnny. We gotta do it for Johnny, man. We gotta do it for Johnny. It's great. Uh, Love that. I need to go back and rewatch that. I need to to rewatch that. Uh, Rumblefish I've wanted to see because it's Francis Ford Coppola, and I've been wanting to do some of of his B-sides, as I like to call them, just ones that you're like, oh, that was him? I didn't realize that was him. Kyle, he wants you to as well because he has to finance his next film. Oh, <laughs> so yeah. he wants you. To, he wants you to go to Best Buy and buy that Blu-ray. If he starts a Kickstarter, I, I will. I will give him money to do uh, his his big film that he wants to do. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, I thought that you could have easily switched Kevin Bacon and Matt Dillon in these roles, and it would have been seamless. Like it, you would have gotten just as good performances on both sides. Uh, and you're Probably, right. Probably, yeah. Nobody does phone it in. I'm surprised that nobody phones it in in this movie, uh, considering the cast. Uh, but yeah, everybody's here. Yeah, it is kind of surprising because you very easily could have gotten away with it. Denise Richards, like, despite you know whatever liabilities you may attribute to her overall acting ability, she showed the fuck up. Like, mm-hmm. she has some some intense scenes in here, and she delivers, and she stays consistent with her character. Um, speaking of which, Denise Richards, I feel like this was approaching the peak of her filmography, like the peak, the peak of her film career in particular, because um, I'm looking at it here, and this was the same year, no, the year after Starship Troopers, uh, <laughs> four years removed from Tammy and the T-Rex, um, also featuring Paul Walker, um, but like one of the big ones for me personally was Drop Dead Gorgeous. Uh, from oh, 1999. I've always love really it. loved that movie. It's a fantastic movie. It's one of the it best is. 90s comedies. It's really great. I really love that movie, and she's very, very good in it. And uh, unfortunately, though, that was the same year as The World Is Not Enough, which mm-hmm. uh, in some ways I think maybe torpedoed her career a little bit because I'm sorry, it's not it's not fair to any woman on the planet, but being cast as a Bond girl in a James Bond movie that also features Sophie Marceau... Mm-hmm. We're just we're just not here for you, Denise. Like nobody That's... remembers you in that movie, Denise. <laughs> I have I completely forgot that she was in the one with Sophie Marceau. Uh, yeah, uh, there was a movie with her and David Spade where she's the love interest and ends up with. Him. I've seen that movie Lost a and... lot. Lost and Found. Yeah, I've funny seen movie. that movie a lot. Kyle. <laughs> it was funny, but yeah, it's like she is light years out of his league. It's like it doesn't even make fun. It doesn't even make sense for a movie. Sophie Marceau doesn't have a league. She's just, she's an alien. She's just she's not of our world. <laughs> um, but Undercover Brother in 2002 was probably the peak of Denise Richards' career. Let's just be honest. Well, I love that started, movie, by the way. <laughs> I mean, after uh, after this, 
she goes to drop dead gorgeous. Then she started doing like being kind of goofy. I mean, she wasn't Valentine. I never saw that, but I think it was supposed to be a bit more serious. But she definitely went more comedic after this. Uh, that's where she, her her career basically went. And she is funny. I'll give her that. Yeah. No, I've never had a problem with Denise Richards. It was just I I, I know she caught a lot of flack uh, for the world is not enough just because she was like it, it was in every newspaper review of the film that's like she's dr christmas jones she's a bionuclear physicist come on it's like it, it's a bond movie but motherfuckers sky dove into a plane in the last movie dudes like let's just keep it in perspective here yeah but uh nev campbell is probably the last major piece of the puzzle um she uh this was post scream probably either mid or post party of five um most certainly post the craft um and that's always been a funny thing with nev campbell's career like i i don't think she's had a remarkable film career by any means but she has like perfect like revlon or clinique face but she seems to enjoy playing like outsider or misfit type characters Mm -hmm. Uh, because like in the craft she plays the the gal with the the burns that um feels like ostracized or othered because of it and and in scream especially the first one she's kind of like a damaged person who's a little bit you know mousy um and in this one she's very much like a an outsider figure to the rest of the story she doesn't fit in with all the other pieces of the puzzle but um what'd you think of her in this one uh she's probably doing the most i've seen her do in anything i've seen her in uh i think the most recent thing i watched her in was the new scream movie she does have like she's not even a reoccurring character she just has like one scene with don draper in mad men uh which is which is fine it's a fine little moment i'm like oh it's neff campbell hmm i just haven't seen her in a long time um yeah she's she's asked to do quite a bit in this and i mean it fooled me so I think she did a decent job. I definitely was fooled by some of the twists and turns in this movie. Yeah, I, I could argue a little bit that the film does some of the heavy lifting for her uh, in in that uh, the way it's structured kind of allows her to, to have some sudden shifts in her characterization that happen mm-hmm. off screen. Um, but I've never seen her bad in anything. Like, I've never been disappointed in Nev Campbell in a performance she give, she's given, and very much so that's the case here. Um, last thing I'll say about her is that uh, apparently the story goes with the Scream franchise, which she has been a part of every entry of uh, that that most recent one, the fifth one we actually reviewed. Um, she had a small role in that, but uh, the story goes uh, apparently she's not going to be returning uh, for the inevitable sequel, which apparently is already greenlit. I don't know if it's in production yet, but it has something to do with money. Um, apparently she was offered a insulting uh insultingly low amount of pay uh for the sixth film so she won't be returning which is kind of a big shame because as far as i know uh, she's beloved by the fan base she had a very small role in the fifth film but even still the fans were very very happy to see her and as far as i recall like every other major character of that franchise uh that has left it has been given some form of major send-off uh so if she just like ends her tenure on the series with just not appearing that's kind of a shame but anyway just felt i'd share that um so i guess you want to jump into the movie yeah uh we want to tackle it you want to guide us through this one kyle 
I can guide us through. I can step on the brakes uh, whenever I feel like there's something that we should talk about. But I'm sure you'll also uh, you've got the uh, you're, you're the driving instructor. You're in the passenger seat with your own brake pedal. So yeah, I got my own brake pedal, son. <laughs> but yes, I've got a heavy foot, and I will get us through this. Um, yeah, we do open up. We're uh, moving from the Everglades to what looks like a suburb of Miami. Uh, nice Everglades shots, nice helicopter shots. Uh, I think we do this with drones mostly nowadays, but, uh... Nowadays. Nowadays. Back in the day, you had to have a chopper. Uh, yeah, so this... Uh, yeah, so we get to this, uh, high school, and, uh, Matt... Did you see this clunky transition where we're, like, following the students, and then we get... We, like, focus in on some guy's back, and it's, like, way too long, and then it pans back out, and it's like, oh, he's going into an auditorium. I'm like, that was clunky. It's uh, it's clunky on a, a variety of levels because the execution of the shot itself is not aesthetically pleasing, mm-hmm. but also the visual language of it is confusing because it's difficult to tell. Are we, are we the camera right now? Like, are we in someone's skull right now? Because there's mm-hmm. people looking into the camera and saying how handsome I am. I think they're talking to me, Kyle. Yeah. But then the then the perspective without a cut turns. And yeah. faces Denise Richards, whose first line in the film, by the way, is "fuck off." <laughs> <laughs> but then the person, the entity, within whom we had been housed in the same shot, actually walks past us up onto the stage. Yeah, very confusing. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 strange. Um, I do like this. Uh, so we, he's a counselor or te- and, and or teacher at a high school where uh, you have to be able to handle an auditorium like a fucking stand-up comedian because he is just getting heckled up there. Also, Matt Dillon should not be a teacher. They, he should not be around high school students. He, he is – I think this is probably the b- best he's looked since Outsiders. Like he is a prime cut in this movie. Uh, there's a joke in community. Uh, Jeff ends up dating one of the attractive teachers, which is, I guess, okay in that universe. Uh, they have to sign a waiver, but it's like, but you're. Uh, the, they go to talk to the dean. The dean's like, actually, you both are on a watch list. We have a watch list for attractive students and teachers. And I was joking with Steph. I'm like, that seems like they should have that implemented here because Denise Richards would be on that list as well. It's like. Anytime those two are near each other, just everybody watch and make sure nothing happens. <laughs> just have a chaperone stuff. Seriously. Uh-uh-uh. Uh-uh-uh. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. But there, there, there's an auditorium where we're doing uh, what looks like it's going to be sex education, which gets a, a huge cheer. But he, like, writes sex up on the board and, like, gives, like, a dramatic turnaround. And then crimes. <laughs> and we're going to talk about sex crimes. Yeah, he almost runs out of room when he's writing crimes, by the way. He didn't mm. plan that out very well. <laughs> Sex? <laughs> I'm going to reel him in. Yeah, you really reeled him. Uh, <laughs> we do get, he's getting some heckling, and we're talking about crimes. And Steph had a good joke with this. Uh, Kevin Bacon and his partner. So Kevin Bacon is a detective. Uh, he stands up with his partner, D- Detective Perez, I believe is his partner's name. And immediately, uh, Nev Campbell gets up and just like calls him a piece of shit or whatever. And apparently, there's some kind of history between them. I'm sure that'll play out later. Uh, it, yeah, uh, but I do like this joke. He gets up there and he's just like, "Can anybody give me an example of sex crimes?" And this guy goes, "Not getting any," and, which is a good joke in the moment. But Steph's just like, "This doesn't seem like a good place for call and response." I'm like, yeah, I think you're right. <laughs> 
Yeah, no, but that that's a uh, Jimmy, by the way, in the crowd. Yeah. Unfortunately, this Jimmy doesn't speak in third person like the Seinfeld Jimmy. Um, but uh, one thing I have to point out early in this mm-hmm. film, Kyle, and this actually translates to the very beginning of the film. So before Denise Richards says "fuck off," um, the music, the soundtrack, oh. the score—well, actually both. Um, you actually may have to help me out with the soundtrack. Oh, I got you. I was about to, I was about to draw attention to the score, but I, I took note of the soundtrack here because, again, Kyle oh. and I were both very much alive and aware of the world around us in 1998. Uh, so there are some straight up radio hits all over this fucking film uh, from the day. Um, but the score uh, for this film is done by one George S. Clinton. Oh, no kidding! Uh, Parliament Funkadelic. No. Oh, that's the wrong one. <laughs> I've made that mistake on this show at least twice, Kyle. Ah. This George S. Clinton is not the one from Parliament Funkadelic, not the one who has worked with Prince. This George S. Clinton gave us the score for Mortal Kombat. Oh. Did not realize. Kind of an important film uh, to both of us and the show. uh, And America. And America! (laughs) Um, As well as uh, a couple of the Austin Powers films and... At least one of Big Mama's House films. <laughs> ah, dude, I was just thinking um, about Big Mama's House yesterday. That's funny that you bring that up. <laughs> that's not a bad movie. I mean, dude, it's better than Black Knight, that's for sure. Do you remember when he's talking to Sherry and she's telling him about how like it, it was all a setup and she's innocent and he's in his Big Mama makeup and he gives her a kiss? Oh, Sherry! And he gives her a kiss. <laughs> and she's like, Big Mama. He's like, oh, shit. <laughs> it's really funny. Huh. I had fun with Big Mama's house. Oh, yeah. yeah. Black Knight, less so. But Martin Lawrence had a decent run. A decent solo run. Like, he, divorced from those bad boys films. He's an underrated stand-up comedian, I think. I think uh, you'd be surprised. I've always heard that. Go back and just watch a little bit of Run, Tell That, and uh, I think you'll enjoy it. Just you can grab a couple clips from there. You don't have to watch the whole thing. But, it's yeah, he's a very funny stand-up comedian. Okay. Well, anyway, yeah, the score for this film uh, is... I kind of love it. Like, I, I could see it being very repetitive and obnoxious to a lot of people, uh, but it is sleazy. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just it's just got boom, with this drum beat going on in the background, just this this big old bass just going boom, like every time somebody's walking around. <laughs> uh, this this movie is it's it's got layers to it. There's there's different movies it's trying to be. For sure, uh, and this director, uh, I, there are certain scenes I'm like, I don't know what he was going for, but I can tell you how it turned out. <laughs> I can tell you how that scene <laughs> turned out. <laughs> uh, yeah, so, yeah, the score, there's definitely a song I will highlight here in a couple of minutes, but uh, yeah, we get Mr. Uh, Sam, our teacher Sam, Matt Dillon, he's out on the boat with that stoner kid who's talking, and uh, I guess he's got a sailing club. That that's some kind of after school thing, and he's rolling up, and the cheerleaders are facing. Uh, Denise Richards is one of the cheerleaders, obviously, uh, <laughs> are facing him, and he gives a couple of glances. Now, as a teacher at a high school, male teacher at a high school, you you avert your gaze, dude. He gives a couple of glances over there. I'm like, okay, I should have had I should have had that in in the back of my head. While I was watching this, I'm like, there might be some, there might be more to this than I than I think, but I, I kind of let it go. See, I I was going down a different track early on. Uh, I was actually having fun cataloging instances. I was expecting this to end up in a courtroom just because of the 
supposed age of our actresses in the film because mm-hmm. i i anticipated that they were going to be playing teenagers uh, of something around them like 18 19 years old so it would be scandalous you know so i was expecting a courtroom at some point um and as a result i was cataloging like instances where other people were witnessing the interactions between them ah and cataloging in my own mind instances where it's like oh nobody saw that so nobody can corroborate anything or oh somebody did see that so they can prove that or something so here i was taking note of jimmy being present for this whole instance mm-hmm. where it's like maybe he notes that like that he's ogling you know denise richards over there by the way matt Dillon did look out by having those macho man randy savage sunglasses on because it makes mm-hmm. it just a little bit harder to tell where his eye line is it's like we we all know where your eyeline is, and it's going up and down. <laughs> For sure. Uh, yeah, so there's some kind of weird thread here where Denise Richards comes up, and she's definitely laying it on thick. Uh, she might as well be licking her lips like a like a cartoon coyote at this point. Um, uh, but she's just like, there's something like the... Students are washing the teachers' cars for some reason for some kind of fundraising thing. I didn't really understand what it's all about, but she's just like, I can come over and wash your car for you. He's like, yeah, you can come over on Sunday. I'm like, wait a minute, wait a minute. Students are going over to faculty's houses to wash cars. I don't know what was going on in the 90s. I wasn't in high school in the 90s, but it doesn't sound like a great idea to me, Trevor. Yeah, see, this is what I was saying about cataloging things mm-hmm. like this. Is like, so we we have Jimmy being eyewitness to him saying she will be there on Sunday. Uh, none of this came into play. <laughs> You've got Alpha Dog on the mind. You were, you were, yeah, because that that movie's all put, about put a put a pin in that because uh, folks at home, we didn't disclose this up up top. You, ah. you can tell we're professional <laughs> podcasters, but um, this is actually uh, Wild Things is our uh, two two hundredth. Uh, official episode of catching up on cinema we've posted well over 300 what's it's um, but this is like the 200th standard episode um so when we wrap things up hopefully soon because <laughs> i don't think we need to linger no. on this movie that long um no i i think it'll be a lot of fun to go back and revisit some of my personal favorite episodes or ones that i thought were fun picks or fun uh conversations but um, yeah, so we have Denise well, Denise Richards coming on to Matt Dillon, uh, Kelly, and Sam, I believe, are the two characters' names. Sam Lombardo. Mm-hmm. That that just sounds like he lays pipe. Um, <laughs> Too many. Here. There's a lot of M's. There's a lot of M's in that name. <laughs> <laughs> there, there's, a, there's a song here, Kyle, that maybe you can help me out with. It's the one that goes do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do. That is Semi-Charm, uh, Semi-Charm Life by Third Eye Blind, the pumped-up kicks of the 1990s. Uh, for those of you who aren't aware, uh, Pumped Up Kicks is a really cool song by Foster the People. Great cover of it from... Uh, the uh, Peacemaker from the Peacemaker show. I have it on my workout playlist because it's a hair metal uh, a cover of it with the guy from Steel Panther. Great stuff. I'll send it to you. I think you'll really enjoy it. But Please do. If you don't know the, the, the lyrics to Pumped Up Kicks, it's very dark. And if you don't know the lyrics to Semi-Charmed Life, look them up. There's a lot more going on in that song than the chorus lets you <laughs> leads you to believe. Uh, it's yeah. not all doot, 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 doot. There's <laughs> definitely references to smoking meth, snorting something, and I think there's some BJ talk in it as well. Uh, it's, a, it's a weird little number, but it, get, it gets you pumped. It's like Fantasy by Mariah Carey, dude. It, it's like, oh, I got to stop what I'm doing. I got to listen to this. 
Uh, it's funny because I bet you that that song is on a kids' bop album somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> I think they probably. Or tried. now that's what I call music. <laughs> I think if they tried to put it on kids' bop and like meth wasn't like it was still kind of new around that time. Like it wasn't as big as it is now. So it was like, huh, what's this meth stuff? I don't know what that's all about. We'll put it in there. Crystals and shit. <laughs> is that where they crush up Smarties and it looks like they're smoking? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Uh, yes, and then we get a smash mouth. We go from third eye blind to smash mouth. I was like, my hands were rubbing my hands together. I'm like, oh, it's going to be a great soundtrack. Let's see where this goes. But it kind of drops off after this. I was surprised. It does. Uh, I started to lose track of, like, I stopped recognizing some of the songs later. It's very front-loaded. But what's here is very nice. Mm -hmm. Good nostalgia pops here. But, uh, by the way, they do have a beat where uh, they try to offer Nev Campbell a ride. They try to offer Susie a ride, and she says, fuck off. Mm -hmm. So I guess they're trying to establish the dynamics between these characters, that Kelly and Susie hate each other, and Sam's, like, friendly with her, with Mm -hmm. Susie, that is. But yeah, we get Why Can't We Be Friends, uh, yeah. the Smashed Mouth version, not the original. Uh, was that cool in the gang? That sounds uh, like Why be Can't We Be Friends? Uh, it might be. I'm not entirely sure. Uh, uh, they, drop, they drop Kelly off, and uh, uh, Mom, Mama yeah. Sandra, makes an appearance. The other cartoon. Oh, Mama. Oh. <laughs> God damn it. I had, a different, I had a different one queued up. Oh, Mama. Oh, oh Mama. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I got a different one. I got a different one queued up for her. Um, yeah, she uh, comes out on her balcony, her McMansion, her Miami McMansion that they live at, uh, and she's definitely just like, "Hey, Sam, you want to come hit this?" Basically, no, she doesn't say that, but you get it. You get where she's coming from. Like, uh, there's a history with them. We we get, uh, but he drops her off, and then Sam goes out on his. Uh, I'm commandeering this airboat. Uh, he uh, is out on his airboat. Just feeding alligators. Uh, that's just out there doing manly stuff, I guess. I'm not entirely sure what this scene is supposed to give us. It's a pointless interlude. Yeah. I'm guessing maybe the filmmakers were in Florida and yeah. decided to do Florida shit just because yeah. it was in the budget or something. Like maybe they hadn't blown their entire budget and they're like, hey, Matt, you want to take a fan boat ride? Go fuck with some gators. <laughs> it, yeah, okay. <laughs> at least, at least once a month, I think of Bad Lieutenant, Port of Call, uh, New Orleans. I think about that scene where the alligator is hit by the car, like the the alligators on the side of the car hit, and I'm like, even for, even for, uh, oh, what the fuck is his name? Uh, I'm blanking his name right now. The director, Nick Cage. No, no, no. Oh, Werner Herzog. Werner Herzog. I'm like, even for Werner Herzog, I'm like, that was a weird thing to throw in there, dude, but all right. Uh, yeah, yeah, I mean, in a movie that also features, you know, random iguanas and people's souls dancing above their bodies after yeah. they've been shot. <laughs> Great movie. I can't wait to watch it again. Uh, yeah, so Fantastic movie. <laughs> Steph was watching this with me for the most part. She was kind of just on the couch, like, in and out of her phone, checking in. But Kelly and her friend come over to Sam's, and they're going to wash his car. And he had a lady friend over. Uh, in a Mercedes, so some well-to-do ladies over there. Not sure if it's a girlfriend, but, you know, maybe a booty call of some kind. Uh, but this fucking thing. He goes back inside, and I'm like, lock your door, dude. Uh, <laughs> you need to lock that door. Uh, but these two girls start washing the car, and this is where this director, man, he lets these two just wash this car, and it is a montage of them having a lot of fun. I think you, the listener, can imagine what's going on here. When two teenage girls are washing a car. 
Now, see, this was a weird one. So, like, we, we get his lady friend, Barbara, uh, who is completely unthreatened and unperturbed by the presence of two, not just one, two young teenage gals showing up to wash her dude's car at his house. Okay. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I will point out that Denise Richards' uh, spirited pursuit of Matt Dillon in this film uh, very much reminded me of Debbie Grund from uh, King of the Hill, which I wouldn't expect you to get the reference, Kyle, but there was a murder mystery, like two-parter uh, in King of the Hill where Mr. Strickland's mistress gets shot and they actually bring in uh, the Texas Rangers, uh, one of whom is voiced by Phil Lamar. Um, nice. to to figure out who who done it, so it's a two parter who done it. Uh, but Debbie Grund has this moment where she like comes to Hank Hill's, uh, she like ambushes him, and she's like in her underwear, and she's like nobody rejects Debbie Grund. <laughs> she's like chasing him in her underwear, trying to get him to make a move on her, and he's like no, no, <laughs> uh, because he's Hank Hill and he's a square, but in the best way. But um. I think we get a Britney Spears song here while they're washing the car. Uh, it's a lesser known one, if it is. Uh, okay. But her her particular sound was ever present around this time. This may have been a little early, honestly, for Britney Spears. I could be wrong on that. I think that her first album dropped around the same time as the first Star Wars movie. I think Britney came out in like 98 or 99. I think that's when she kind of came onto the scene. So it would have been right I was in time. middle school. I, that's yeah. all I remember. But okay. um, I will point out that this this car wash, I mean, it's it's teenage girls, so maybe we shouldn't like make this too hot. <laughs> but I will. But he's going out, to. This is, not, this is not the hard, hottest car wash I have seen in cinema. I would even argue that you know Zoolander probably had a hotter car wash. Than this. I was going to say dodgeball, but okay. Um, probably the hottest car wash I can recall in cinema history. The film Car Wash, notwithstanding, um, would probably be Cool Hand Luke, um, oh. which is a fantastic film. That if you haven't seen, is that Paul Newman? Yes. I uh, and uh, I, uh, George Candy, I believe, is in there as well. I watched. I, I might send it to you. Somebody posted a little video of James Dean and uh, Paul Newman in their fucking prime, doing like a screen test together. And they're like Paul Newman and uh, James Dean, kind of flirting with each other, doing this screen test. It is, it is something to see. It is quite cordial, and they are just. It. It. There's just such a great energy between the two of them. Uh, it's, it's, it's just kind of an interesting behind-the-scenes kind of thing to see. It's it's funny. I'd like to see that. Um, I'm sure everybody on the opposite end of the table reader is just like, my pants appear to have melted off. Uh, <laughs> carry oh, on. <laughs> it's like it's it's kind of like uh, Errol Flynn looking in a mirror, like talking to himself in a mirror. Oh, it's like, oh, it's too much. It's too much. <laughs> my belt melted. Just the universe implodes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna get sick from how hot it is. Such beauty was not to not build to behold such beauty. <laughs> I looked at a picture. I was like Errol Flynn young. I made a. I gasped <laughs> when I saw the picture. <laughs> You got the vapors. Jesus. Um, Mercy. (laughs) So I was joking. I'm like, man, fucking Sam needs a little spray bottle that you use for cats to keep Denise Richards away from him. Because every time she's talking to him, she's like, wait. (laughs) Yeah, get away. You're too close, man. Um, 
<laughs> yeah, so uh, they finish up, and I, I'd say we're taking some time, like, setting up the beginning, because after the court case, it's going to just, it'll it'll move much quicker, I think, but yeah, we kind of have to set up this beginning, because surprisingly, when we get done with the court case, there's a whole hour left of this movie, which I was very surprised by. Um, it has two very, very distinct halves. Yeah. It's actually I, structured fairly well in that way. I thought it was going to be like Place Beyond the Pines where we have like three parts and it's like the three acts are three completely different parts of the story with different people. Um, but yeah, so we get Kelly comes in and you can kind of get what's happening here. She's making her move. Uh, and he doesn't seem like we, the viewer, are seeing him as like he does not want to engage in this. That's what we are seeing as a viewer. And she ends up walking out of the house and huffs. Her hair looks a little messed up when she leaves, and she's visibly upset, but she just marches off uh, down the road. Um, yeah, see, this is where I, my cataloging of details was wasted, um, because the way that sequence ends is it's a fade to black when she's yeah. standing wet in his kitchen, and then we cut to his front door, and she takes off in a huff, and then there's two kids, two little boys, yeah. uh-huh. who, who saw them washing the cars and also saw her leave, yeah. none of which comes into play in the film. Yeah, I you know that you mention it. Yeah, uh, I didn't. I wasn't cataloging that. I was just kind of letting the movie happen at me. I'm like, let's just see where this goes. Um, I should have been paying attention to that, considering that this was supposed to be an accused rape story. I'm like, oh, that that we the viewer would focus in on that. Like, you do have those kids there for a reason. You'd think, like they you think the, you think <laughs> yeah no. <laughs> Uh, but after this fade to black and Denise Richards uh, walks off, we get Hump Day, dude. These this is one of like but like Predator Two, uh, I think Predator Two Payback, and maybe American Beauty have some of the best cut to fucking that I've seen. Payback's not cut to fucking. Payback is cut to BDSM, <laughs> where Lucy Liu's <laughs> playing a dominatrix. But still, yeah. it's quite a cut. Uh, this is, I think that this is even a greater cut to fuck than Predator 2. Predator 2 was tasteful and it it eased you into it. It lets you guess. This is like ass-smacking fucking fade to fuck. It yeah, is it, We are straight else. up clapping into this Ooh. cut. Like like on the beat, just whack, we're in it. Whack, um, whack, by the way, <laughs> yeah, Predator 2, Predator 2, the charm of that particular fuck shot, of that cut to fuck... Is the artistry? Yeah, is the fact that you you they had to build an entire camera rig. They had to change lenses yeah. to do that punch in. Mm-hmm. Like they artistry, effort, time, money went Did into achieving bouncing? that fuck shot. You tell her to keep bouncing. We are changing the lens. Bounce. I don't care if we go over time. I don't care if she breaks the fucking bed. This is Predator Two. God damn it! This ain't no clown shoes production. We'll go through all the best we fucking need to get this fucking shot. <laughs> Um, but yeah, uh, the combination of the the song with the action here is immaculate. We have literally the song "Love Machine." <laughs> we have whack, whack, whack. Feel my dick. Um, I am rock hard. Yeah, it is, it is something else. <laughs> uh, we're by the way, we're cutting into the yeah, part of the Love Machine song, Ugh. and then uh, when Mama Mama Kelly Sandra when she extricates herself from the situation 
we get an audible conyo <laughs> from her lover. Yeah, dude. <laughs> the pool boy, the cabana boy. <laughs> I'm sorry, man. There's no way she's stopping, dude. The way this is going, this phone's ringing. You knock that shit off with your shoe. There's no way she's stopping. She is there. <laughs> Tell me, sure people. I'm sure the plaster on the floor below is just like just rattling off of the ceiling. <laughs> I mean, honestly, they should show this scene in film school. It's like now this is how you cut to somebody having sex in a film because it is wham it's right there incredible incredible cut a love scene with impact yeah this movie this movie was directed with the pillow on the director's crotch uh because there's quite there's a few scenes in here it's like damn dude did we really need that um yeah so i i think maybe i'm not entirely sure what happens but kelly's mom talks to sam uh about something uh, so at there's the a school? lot of phone calls that happen here. Yeah. Uh, Sandra gets a call from the school saying Kelly didn't show up. Uh, she calls Dylan and says, "Hey, we, we used to fuck real good, kind of mm-hmm. like I just did 20 seconds ago." Yes. Um, I'd like to get some more of that if you're willing. He's not. Um, and also, uh, he is told that like he, he's accused by Sandra like fucking around a lot. Yeah. Like, you, you, she calls him like the hired hand essentially like she th- yeah. views him as a cabana boy essentially just like he's of a lower class and by the way there's a shot earlier in the movie that i wish there was more of um because it actually establishes in one shot like kind of some of the ideas at work here that are very very flimsy in the finished film but they're there uh what i'm alluding to here is there's a shot when uh denise richards is dropped off at her mom's house um and her mom is on the balcony we just mm-hmm. cut to the shot outside the house of both of them going into the house. Mom upstairs, daughter downstairs. And that's kind of a, a through line for a lot of the characters in this, where there is a, a classism at work mm-hmm. here, where the, the, the haves and the have-nots and whatnot. And Sam's character is wanting to be a have, but he is absolutely not. Um, we get uh, Sam at the school where he works, um, and he's talking to the principal, and uh, who also, through dialogue, points out that Sam has a tendency to chase booty at the Yacht Club, as he says. Mm-hmm. Uh, we get an allusion to a barracuda being a carnivorous fish that you should not eat uh, because it is poisonous. And mm-hmm. the principal says, uh, kind of like a lot of the women you like to fuck around with, Sam Lombardo. <laughs> um, but yeah, a, a lot of phone calls here. We also get a Educator of the Year trophy on, uh, <laughs> yeah, on <right>? Sam's <laughs> desk, by the way. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, Denise uh, Richards shows back up at home, and she is skeet shooting, uh, thereby you know dispelling the mystery of where she got to. And this is where we have a emotional uh, sit down between her and her mom. Uh, did you want to get into that? Yeah. Uh, so she sits down, and uh, she's just like, "I miss dad." She's like, "Don't you miss dad?" She's like, "Kinda," but she's like, "He didn't have to kill himself, Kelly." And I'm like, hmm, interesting. She does not seem to be very shaken up by her husband killing himself. I'm like, put a, I put a pin in that, uh, needlessly, but uh, it's something that I did pick up on, yeah. Um, and then she tells her mom that she was raped and, uh, and that Sam Lombardo did it. And her mom is irate. And she has a weird... We cut to the police station where they're taking, like, taking down her statement and everything, and her mom's like... My daughter does not get raped in whatever county it is. I'm like, it's a weird way to frame that. I'm like, well, where should she get raped? I'm like, it was such a weird, it was such a bad line. I'm just like, that's a weird thing to say. And this whole, 
this whole scene is problematic. Uh, my wife and I were watching this, and we're just like, this is the way this plays out. One, um, number two is somebody. I'm not sure if he does try to approach the court, so I thought maybe he was the family lawyer, um, but they hire a different lawyer to represent her in the court case, which is strange. Um, and then they have everybody leave the room in this they don't say that she's a minor. We just know that she's in high school, and I think she's on the cusp of graduating, so she might be 18. But I think why not? It might not be as big of an issue. Like nothing statutory comes of this. It's literally a rape ap- accusation. But they have her sit down and they tape her confession, which I don't feel like. I was watching this and I'm like, I don't feel like that's something you do. Is you tape somebody's confession like this because one. She can take the stand in court and testify on her own behalf. They don't need to, like, take this into court. And I'm like, and I think this was just a plot device, when, which it is used in the next scene where the detectives are watching the tape again. It just seems strange to me that they were taping it. Yeah, I, I was puzzled by this as well because it's very deliberate. Like, you can tell that somebody had an idea as to what this would mean to us, the viewer, like, on a subconscious level. But I, for the life of me, I can't quite figure it out. But... Kyle's absolutely right. We're we're cutting back and forth between not not the live event of her telling the story of of her sexual assault. We're cutting to a video monitor of the playback of of what they recorded. So we're seeing mm-hmm. it after the fact, but then we're cutting back and forth between that and the viewers of that tape. Uh, Kevin Bacon, his his associate, and I think the DA. Um, it, it's very odd I, i'm not entirely sure what's supposed to mean like like if it's meant to be pointing a finger at like the spectatorship uh, involved in things like this Ooh. like like okay like show trials like this or, or however you want to characterize it i think this is this was also kind of poorly written um i think that they intentionally made the rape portion of this not too heavy because we want you to be titillated later in the movie and specifically yeah. i think the way this question was phrased did he put himself inside you? The detective asked him. Like that's not how you ask that question. Like these these types of things are very direct. It's like what happened. Like you don't. That's a that's a weird finesse to put on a line like that. I'm like this is kind yeah. of grimy. Yeah. Yeah. You you wouldn't want to keep that ambiguous because there's very serious charges and you know determining the extent of them would be very important to get right. Yes. Very true. Um, yeah. I just thought it was clunky intentionally or skeezily clunky uh i mean yeah. remember this is 1998 this is america and yeah. subjects like this are still taboo you know to some degree yeah. <laughs> um yeah De- detective um, perez is not buying it though she's just not yeah <laughs> and my and my wife's like of course why she's like why is the woman cop not believing it and i'm like there's there's two sides to that. I'm like, uh, one, I'm like, they are detectives, and I think that they can probably sniff out a bullshitter. Like, they can look into inconsistencies with somebody's story. Be like, well, something's not adding up here. But that doesn't happen in this movie. They don't they don't point out any inconsistencies with her story. So it is, in, in, in my wife's defense, yeah, it was kind of pointless for the detective to be like, I'm not buying this whole thing. Um yeah, I suspect that maybe having the lady cop be the person who's suspicious is to, like, I don't know, some sexual politics or something, where it's yeah. like, but the lady cop was the one who was suspicious, not the dudes. Uh, yeah. Something uh, like that. I, but um, I will point out that Kevin Bacon, uh, 
he mentions that like he he shouldn't have had them at the house to begin with which is neither here nor there but that you know that kyle and i both have the same objection it's like why are, why did you put yourself in that position um and the da also mentions like hey by the way uh, it's kind of a known rumor that he's fucked around at the yacht club before so we have a lot of yeah. you know compelling arguments on either side here yeah and that high school student she looks 27 okay so it's probably his type um <laughs> last year she was in space fighting giant bugs and stuff pretty sure she's a high school graduate co-ed showers I, okay co-ed showers uh yeah so this was a weird chain of events that happens here we get sam in his office uh i'll say that he's texting on his blackberry it's not he's not doing that but uh he's sitting at his desk <laughs> And then, like, a paper airplane crumble comes in to the office, and it says, like, they, like they're, like, teasing him about the rape accusations, and he sees the police. It's a naughty cartoon yeah. of him, like, getting a blowy. Yeah, the, the police are at the school, and I suspect, I thought they were going to arrest him or something, but uh, they don't. And the principal goes and talks to him at his dinghy, and he's just like, yeah, the school board wants to suspend you. Uh, obviously, because you're being accused of raping a student. So, yeah, I think you're probably going to have to get an attorney. And, uh, yeah. And he's really concerned about this. He's like, this is a crazy wealthy family. It's like, I'm not going to find a lawyer who wants to take this case, basically. Cut to his attorney. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, uh, he very promptly, uh, first try as far as we can tell, uh, runs out and finds an attorney uh, in the form of Bill Murray as Kenneth Bowden, who was introduced to us in a a mini mall, uh, very small office. He does have a receptionist, though. She seems like a nice gal. Yeah. Um, And he's wearing a neck brace, (laughs) um, which comes off in like 20 seconds because apparently he only wears it when there's insurance inspectors nosing around the neighborhood. Uh, Bill Uh, Murray's a lot of fun in this. Yes. Uh, And I was just like, first of all, Bill Murray should not be in a movie about rape. Uh, especially so I'm like he's too funny to be putting in a movie about rape and I'm like second if you walk into an office and Bill Murray is your attorney you might want to find a different attorney because uh, that's not the guy you want representing you and Big he, Earn? Big Ernie? <laughs> he's, he's your attorney? Um, it, I do like he's just like yeah be accused of uh, raping one of my students he's like well did you? he's like no and he's like you got nothing to worry about <laughs> like okay okay um this everglades thread uh yeah so he's gonna be i guess bill murray's gonna be his attorney and uh he goes to this shitty everglades bar and i don't really understand why he's out there there's no real connection with him in the everglades i don't understand other than him being out on his airboat and feeding alligators it's just like i don't i didn't quite understand why he's out there yeah, I'd never really pieced this together either, but uh, I will point out there is an unrated cut of this film that actually it, it's very little of it is sexual content. Mm-hmm. Um, it's mostly plot stuff, to be honest. And okay. apparently a lot of it's like worth keeping in the film, to be honest. I do remember in Knocked Up when Catherine Heigl is sitting on the sofa with Jonah Hill and he's watching Wild Things and there's a scene, mm-hmm. he's watching Nev Campbell and Denise Richards make out in a pool. And, like, the tops are coming off. I'm like, I was expecting that scene in this movie, and it never happened. So I think that's in the unrated cut. I could be wrong, but I want to say that may have been the trailers, too. <clears throat> uh, I, I do I seem to so. remember. No? <laughs> I don't think so. There's definitely boobers. 
<laughs> okay okay well yeah that that scene does not occur in the theatrical cut we cut okay. away from that very hastily um but bill murray does have additional scenes in the unrated cut uh there's additional scenes involving kevin bacon and matt dillon meeting each other for the first time um actual like plot relevant scenes very little of it is like just titillating stuff um so maybe one of those scenes offers up a, a cleaner explanation as to what he's doing here um, I believe, actually, this is the place where he initially meets Kevin Bacon yeah. in the unrated cut um, well, prior you, to the events of the film. Did you see the, the outtake, like the, the, the scenes? I did. Okay, I did. yeah, at the, yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, um, by the way, Smiling Jack's Fish Camp is the mm. name of this place. <laughs> Dude, you could, not, you could not pay me to walk into this place. I'm like, this is a towny shithole. Like, you will get the shit beat out of you in this bar if you do not know these proprietors. <laughs> yeah, you are going to get punched in the mouth. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, shitty Everglades bar. Uh, he takes off. He gets ran off the road. And wouldn't you know it, uh, uh, the rich mom, it's her beefcake bone boy, uh, knocks the shit out of him in a oh yeah, it, Rico Suave shows up and beats his ass in the swamp. Yeah. Also, at uh, nighttime, you're not. I'm not stepping foot in a fucking swamp. Are you out of your goddamn mind? This is Gator Country. Um, <laughs> and then we get uh, <laughs> Bill Murray going to see Sam, and he pulls a harpoon gun out on him, which is pretty funny. Uh, they have a chat, um, and he's just saying that basically he's gonna have to move out of his house like he's gonna have to move out like he's just in a bind right now nobody wants to help him uh it's tough for him right now yeah that that is actually kind of plot relevant in that he he has financial troubles Mm -hmm. Uh, put a pin in that um and he says i don't fuck my students um and then we cut to the gator farm Mm -hmm. uh, near that everglades bar may even be the same location i believe but i think it is um Kyle, did you notice the extra here? He's oh, yeah. in a lot of the he's in a lot yes. of the background scenes. Do you recognize him? I did. I did recognize him, and I didn't even write his name down because I'm like, I looked at the movie. I'm like, I know I've seen him in stuff. I've seen him in at least three things. I'm like, Trevor's gonna point him out, so I didn't write down his name. But he is a heavy. I think he's generally just a heavy in movies. Correct. Yeah. He is a heavy. Uh, I I do not know this gentleman's name. He looks like Michael Ironside if you. Stretched yeah. him out a little bit, like if he smoothed out all those wrinkles and what. He's got, same fucking hairline, that's for fucking sure. He's built like a goddamn linebacker. Like when he's popped his shirt, he's got his like sleeveless shirt. I'm like, god damn, he's got some pipes on him. Like he's, he's a big and he's dude. He's very, very comfortable with an alligator. Yeah, he is. He is bracing its neck. He's got it in a fucking camel clutch with his chin. Yeah. <laughs> uh, this man, I recognize as being one of the chief goons from the Thomas Jane Punisher film. Uh. Also, the the goal talent, the, <laughs> the guy who's yeah yeah that's a Florida movie yeah uh, yeah the guy that's boning the mom is also in uh, Punisher. He's one of the guys that tells like it's not even Cuban, it's Dominican. The guy with the cigar, correct? So, yeah, local yeah, talent. So we have some local talent here. Um, uh, but yeah, he's in the background, th- <laughs> putzing around with a gator. Speaking of local talent, do you think the guy uh, I think is the same guy in Ace Ventura? Of course I can. Why? That guy? I think that's the same guy who's in Gone Fishing. Do you remember the uh, the redneck from I Gone? I haven't seen Gone Fishing. Oh, I'll find you his scenes. He's pretty funny in there. He's na- like beer gut drinking Budweiser, like clicking the plaque off his teeth and spitting it. It's He's just disgusting. But I think he's also a lo- local talent. He might have been dead by the time this movie came out. <laughs> <laughs> but it was a shame he wasn't in it. Um, so Kevin yeah. Bacon and Lady Cop. Uh, they go to visit Nev Campbell, Susie, 
uh, in her trailer nearby, and Bacon they go bits, for a yeah. walk and talk. Yeah. yeah, they they go for a walk and talk in the evening, and uh, this is where Susie reveals, after much probing, that uh, verbal probing, that is, that she uh, she was raped by Sam Lombardo. Yeah. Um, and then the key line here uh, is that she quotes him and says, "No little bitch can ever make me come." That's uh, which is important yeah. because that's exactly. Well, not exactly, but very, very, very close to what Kelly said on her testimony on the yeah. tape. Uh, uh, so now we have two gals accusing the dude of similar crimes. Okay, so next, um, Sam gets arrested. He gets taken into jail. Uh, and this was weird. So Bill Murray's just like, hey, uh, sorry, you're going to be booked for a little bit. And he's like, a public defender is going to be taking over your case. Uh, but then he's all, but then Bill Murray's, Defending him in court, which was strange. I don't know. We must. There must have been something cut where he ends up taking over as his attorney. Yeah, that, that must have been a f- editing flub or something, because that doesn't manifest at all. However, I will point out that um, I want to say there's an improvised line here from Bill Murray where he says hello to one of the inmates <laughs> on a first name basis, which is like I think it's meant to just be a, a nod to the fact he's probably not a very good lawyer. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, because he's not a public defender. Public defender would be like, "Oh yeah, I've I've probably represented some of these guys, but he's not one of those attorneys." So, uh, no, yeah, no, 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 no. Yeah, and then we get uh, a court case. Uh, we get testimony from Denise Richards, uh, and then I thought there was going to be some cross examination, but there's no cross examination, which was kind of strange. Uh, yeah, the courtroom proceedings in this film are very thin. Yeah, uh, and then. Bill Murray is just like him conducting a line of questioning. I'm like, he should not be doing this. <laughs> this is not the guy to be doing this. But he does do, I guess, a quote unquote good job. Uh, this is where he's questioning Susie about her involvement. And uh, she basically says that, yeah, he did it. And but then he points out like all this nice things that he, all these nice things that he's uh, done for her. Like, she got in trouble, and she called him, like, every time. She got in trouble uh, several times. He's like, it doesn't make sense. He seems like he's your friend. Uh, and then he basically just, uh, I guess, um, badgers her into admitting that she lied, which I don't really think they would allow. I'm like, she answered the question already. Um, Somebody attempts to object, but this judge allows it. Um, yeah. It's kangaroo court, yeah, dude. This is ver- this is very much badgering from what even like somebody who like me who isn't intimately familiar with these things. But yeah, uh, he very much badgers her. Um, by the way, a, a small thing, but it's like one of those like details. That's, I'm sorry, this bothered me personally. We have this exterior shot of the courthouse and the Van Ryans, the uh, the Kellys family. They pull up to the courthouse in a limo, and we have this exterior shot. It's a flat angle. And the limo, I, uh, my note just reads, could have done a better b- job parking that limo. Mm-hmm. Uh, because, like, there's an opportunity to park the limo perfectly centered with the, with, with the building. And then they go several feet past. And it's just like, could, could we do another tick, please? Like, like <laughs> that would be one of those things where it's like, I'd be whispering in the director's ear. And he'd be like, you, you got to shut up. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, I'm making a fucking film here, buddy. Pick your battles. But, yeah, uh, Bill Murray, basically, he uses this as an opportunity to it, like manufacture a narrative that she's on a friendly basis with Sam. It's like, dude, you can 
rape people that you're friends with. <laughs> like, yeah. like that, really, that I'm sure that's unfortunately very common. Yeah. Um, but I, the main thing that apparently strikes a chord with the jury and the court is uh, um, that she repeatedly contacted him for support even after the, the alleged rape. Mm-hmm. What the fuck does that... <laughs> like, does that really mean anything? Again, people's behaviors can be inconsistent. It doesn't negate the fact that a thing happened. You know, that that's what's actually on trial here, is if the thing happened. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, um, Kelly fr- freaks the fuck out because Nev Campbell, uh, Susie, has a breakdown, and she starts saying all the, quote, wrong things. Uh, she says, this was not my idea. Uh, Sam Lombardo didn't rape me. He didn't rape Kelly either. Um, I just wanted to hurt Mr. Lombardo. And so the whole place turns into a circus. Uh, Kelly hops over the ropes and she, I think she like grabs a glass and throws it at Susie. She does. And she says, you skanky bitch. Oh, Bill Murray's smirk after she, uh, after she, she's lying. Basically, he just gets like a, his smirk is just perfect. Uh, it's really funny. Um, I mean, it's like Hannibal Lecter as you. Thank you. God tier 180 that this movie takes, uh, leaving the courtroom here. It is, it reminded me of Ace Ventura (laughs) in the car. It's just, it's, uh, it's Sam and, uh, uh, Bill Murray. And he's just like, woo, yeah. (laughs) Like, yeah. It's Louie Louie. It's a cover of Louie Louie playing. This is akin, the, the timing of this cut is akin to the driving montage in Tommy Boy. Mm-hmm. When the the tone of yeah. the radio songs keeps flipping, <laughs> you can change it if you want to. Up, up, suit yourself. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, and he's just uh, he calls him bruh. He's like bruh. You're gonna get like a settlement. I'm like, if your lawyer calls you bruh, <laughs> you're gonna go to you're prison. You're doing just fine. <laughs> You'll be fine. <laughs> uh, so basically, there's a settlement, and they all go to Ken's uh, Bill Murray's office, sign some papers, and. I guess that's it for that. Uh, all good to go. Yeah. Uh, Sam is leaving teaching. Uh, apparently, Ke- Kelly uh, confronts him and says, my mom's paying you with my trust money, which I don't think that's how that works. Um, yeah, and she smacks his Teacher of the Year award and breaks it. Um, and then we get to this Everglades motel. Uh, that's Yeah, the sleaziest motel. Um, it, it covered in neon uh, green lighting all over the place. Uh, Sam apparently has a permanent residence in one of these rooms. Um, and he goes in there and he sees like muddy footprints walking into the room uh, before he got there. And then the soundtrack is like the score is building up to be like some dramatic or horrifying reveal. And uh, Kelly appears in the bathroom. And it's important to remember she was skeet shooting earlier in the film. Uh, she was brandishing a shotgun. Um, so she comes out of the bathroom and she has a shape uh, covered with a towel um, that's pointed in his general direction. It looks vaguely gun-esque. Uh, and then I looked at the time code, like it, pretty much exactly the middle point of the film. Uh, we get the reveal that uh, they are in cahoots. Yeah. Um, she is not brandishing a weapon. Uh, she has a champagne bottle. Um, and she's ecstatic because the two of them screwed her parents uh, for their money. Um, and we do have scenes earlier, like throughout the fil- like sprinkled throughout the earlier portions of the film, pointing out that she has zero love for her family. Yeah, like, they hate her. She hates them back. Um, 
And he's mad at her for being here because he's like, you know, if anybody saw you here, that would be a problem yeah. for both of us. Uh, scratch that, all of us, uh, because Nev Campbell, Susie, is also here. Mm -hmm. uh, and it's not over yet is what Matt Dillon keeps trying to tell them. That's like, yo, after tonight, we can never be seen together. Uh, they, they don't follow up on that. Uh, but um, we get like a, a threesome scene here that I guess is supposed to be the hot scene in the film exactly the midpoint very Again, fitting it's supposed to be high schoolers but yes we get a <laughs> teacher and well, he's no longer a teacher i guess i guess it doesn't matter now if they're both 18 but yeah we get uh, a so it is soft court we're definitely into soft court porn territory at this point Th this is on the level with mtv's undressed which i wouldn't expect you to be familiar with you might no. be a little young for that one but i remember seeing that show a couple times it's basically soft court porn the television show nice. on mtv back in the day uh, good times. Uh, uh, Jason David Frank, uh, the recently deceased uh, Green mm. Ranger, actually was on that show at one point. Nice. Uh, <laughs> and then we get, I don't know if this was improvised or if the director was just being a perv, but he's just like, there. Nev Campbell pours champagne on Denise Richards' boobies. I mean, that is exactly what happens. Yeah, it, it's a questionable move, especially considering, you know, Matt Dillon lives here. He's, he continues to live here for quite some time, and I'm pretty sure that soaked into the mattress, like, that that, that amount of fluid isn't, it's not going to get soaked up by the sheets, like, that's, just kind of ruined my house, like, I have to buy a new mattress at a motel that I don't technically even own. I <laughs> wouldn't even do heroin at this hotel if I was on, like, a downward spiral, like, this place is dirty, it's really gross. No, you get a sliver here you will die <laughs> like that's the end of you um it, but yeah uh, we get to see uh, denise richards top was here uh, nev campbell as far as i know has never done that um i think that's like an early stipulation in her career uh, no wait did she uh, i believe in the um uh the cutout scene that i remember seeing from knocked up i do believe we get nev campbell uh with her top off in that scene Maybe in the unrated cut, but de most definitely not the theatrical cut. Yeah, uh, I know. I know for a fact that wasn't the case, but um, I don't know how often Denise Richards has gone topless in her filmography. But I want to say fairly certainly the answer is some. Mm. Um, but uh, yeah, she gets champagne poured on her boobies, and uh, I feel like I got some uncomfortable insight into the, the lovemaking stylings of Matt Dillon here because mm. he lets out a few practiced, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh, he's done that before. Like, like just like, I think that might be his move. Just, yeah. <laughs> Gross. Uh, yeah. I, I was like, oh, fuck. I could totally picture him doing that in his spare time. <laughs> yeah. Just, uh. <laughs> Uh, yeah, Bacon Boots puts the whole thing together, like, almost immediately. Like, he, they just cut to him, and he's just got a whole theory on this. Uh, and he's got graphs. He's got yeah. charts. Yeah. <laughs> he's, got, he's figured it all out. Uh, he <laughs> harasses Kelly at the school pool, which don't think you can do. Uh, but he's just like, I know it's all set up. I know you've, you. It's, it's a whole thing. And it's like, okay. Um, weird turn this is where the movie really starts getting clunky uh yeah. he goes to see Susie, and this is where we figure out the the history that they have is that Susie he did something to Susie's friend and now he's kind yeah. of throwing it back in her face like uh also i was watching 
you have Campbell's character Susie in this. I'm like, this girl is never getting out of Florida. She she is never getting out of this swamp. She is going to die there shortly That's after high school. That's kind of funny. It's kind of funny because like she's probably the more obvious pick just because of like the you look at the way this poster for this film is structured the way the the way the advertising campaign for this film is that was built is that it, this is a hot person movie mm. like we have lots of hot people get naked kind of movie but from a casting standpoint i hate to say it but like her co-star in the craft firuza bulk is probably the more appropriate choice mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. less conventionally attractive still an attractive woman yeah. but to play this type of character in this setting in particular um Obviously, the Water Boys, Fyrusa Paul, could be the one I would go with, but mm-hmm. you know, it worked out either way. But it just it just came to mind. Um, by the way, she, she kind of seems to have trouble negotiating this joint as she has here. Like she doesn't seem to be very good about handling it. Um, um, and also, the way pot is treated in this movie is very, very late nineties, like very, very much like a "it's bad for you" kind of oh. thing. Like it. It's what was still, it, Rachel Lake Cook smashing up a kitchen and frying eggs and stuff? The, that particular PSA? Yeah, dude, you still... It's still not okay in Florida. Like, it's, they're still very conservative with that. Uh, it's still not okay. And buddy, <laughs> this was like 2012, 2013. He went to go visit my buddy in Florida, and they're in, like, a nice neighborhood. And my buddy gets out of the car, and he just starts to light up a bowl. He's like, get that down! Are you out of your fucking mind? It's like... You can't do that around here. Like, you will get in trouble. Like, they will call the cops on you if they see you smoking anything. Um, and you will go to jail. Uh, they don't fuck around. Um, yeah, so Bacon Bits, he's talking to Susie. And uh, he somehow is able to get... I don't know how they were able to get his account information. I feel like that has nothing... <laughs> Motor Oil have had nothing to do with this accident. I don't see how his account information would have anything to do with this, with this crime. So I thought it was strange that that's some of the information that they have. Yeah, I don't think you could just get that without proper warrant and whatnot. It like, need- peering into something that personal. Like, hmm. It doesn't make any <laughs> sense in this case. Um, yeah, so he's just, like, all the money that's going into his account now, uh, he's basically, again, like, confronting her about the whole situation. Um, and then he follows Susie after this, after she's visibly upset, and she goes, Susie and Kelly uh, chat on the phone with Sam, basically, like... This is where I'm like, only a dude could write this scene because where this goes, no one could anticipate. It's kind of funny. Like if you if you look at it, knowing how the movie ends, it kind of makes a little bit of sense here. Where like Sam is playing at being the one in charge. Like, do you feel mm. you are in charge? Um, like he's talking at them like they're two stupid girls. Like yeah. they're young and they're dumb and they don't know any better. So he's the one kind of guiding everything. Um, meanwhile he's hiding in a hotel room or a motel room excuse me um because he can't be seen in public um with them uh so they have to contact him via phone and this is quite the phone by the way it's it's bright fucking yellow this is a quote portable phone even in 1998 standards it's a little raggedy looking (laughs) never ever seen a phone like this in my entire life I uh, haven't either. Uh, I want to say it. Maybe it's a floaty phone. Like maybe it's built to be near a pool. I thought maybe it was a satellite phone. Like I thought maybe it was going to oh, come fuck into play. A satellite. Phone. Yeah, remember those things? <laughs> uh, uh, I've seen the Lost World. Kyle. Yeah. Yes, I'm familiar with the Sat phone. Sat phone. <laughs> I thought it was something that was going to come into play later. 
Um, yeah, so no, they, they end up, there's some slapping, we get some drowning, uh, and th- they slap around some more, and then they go up to the shallow end, and they just start making out. Meanwhile, uh, Bacon Bits is in the, in the trees, uh, with a video camera, just taping the whole thing, and, uh, they start making out, and he's just like, <laughs> he just gets more glued. Yeah, he into- doesn't know whether to look at the show happening live in front of him or the monitor down below. Like he, that's illegal. What you're doing is illegal. Yeah, he's <laughs> he's tape he's taping. Yeah, he's just like I don't know where to look. He's like, you are taping two teenage girls on private property making out, and you are not stopping. I need to remember to take a screen cap of that sequence because the bug eyes he's doing here, his reaction shot to the hot, the quote, hot lesbian action mm-hmm. is spectacular. It's spectacular. He looks like a cartoon character. The, like, he looks like a Tex Avery character. I don't know if you're planning on promoting this with any images, but that would be one. <laughs> That's I think. the one. That's the one. <laughs> that is the one. Um, <laughs> yeah, dude. Uh, I'm like, only a guy could come up with this scene. That's just ridiculous. Um, yeah. And he, I love the cut too. So he's watching, he's watching it on the camera, and then it cuts to him in the police station watching it on the big TV. It's like in the break room or some yeah, shit. It's, it's it not like even in a private office. It's like in an open space. The way <laughs> it's the, great. The dovetailing of this, and this is where we get uh, the, his anger. I guess it's his boss. He's like, "What the hell's going on? Why are you watching this?" It's like you're out here harassing people, like it's doing being a straight up rust coal. Like you're just like you're out here harassing people. There's no case here, and he's just like there is a case. And then he opens up the door, and fucking Sam is sitting there with another officer, and he's like, he's guilty of setting up this whole thing. It was a very strange, uh, very strange segue. Yeah, it's a nothing little beat uh, that doesn't really go anywhere other than it makes him, it makes Duquette. Uh, bacon bits look kind of like an oaf um mm-hmm. he does get a good what are you looking at um i yeah that was a that was a prime what are you looking at that he shoots at the deputy in the room i kind of like that but yeah. um he's kind of at odds with the station is what we're get gunning for here is that he he seems to be onto something but nobody believes him he's he's the one man trying to get the job done and follow the leads um and then we cut to our uh our thruple uh they uh Susie, kelly and sam uh they all are at the beach uh sam is not with them initially but uh Susie and kelly who had a moment in that pool together much hotter in the unrated cut apparently mm-hmm. um they go out driving to the beach together they're getting shit-faced and then sam unexpectedly appears uh and uh he plays nice uh he tries to console Susie, letting her know like everything's gonna be all right i'm gonna handle it uh, and then off screen, he bludgeons her to death with a bottle, mm-hmm. uh, and he's covered in blood when he comes back to uh, the SUV that Kelly had driven there. Um, and then they actually load uh, Susie's body into the back of it. Mm-hmm. Um, this is where the theatrics get a little wonky here, where it's like, hang on, what? Like the way this movie ends, it's like, hang on, what? What did they do? Like, what did they load? How did they go about doing this? But. Um, there is a funny beat here where we show how fucked up Kelly is by uh, after they load the body and he's covered in blood. She says, Mom would kill me if she knew I took the rover. <laughs> it's like, that's what you're worried about. Okay. Um, we do see uh, Sam, uh, again, off screen, uh, buries Susie somewhere in a swamp. Um, and we go back to the gator shack real quick. Uh, all we do here is that we learn that Susie is missing and Bacon Bits is distressed. Mm-hmm. Uh 
I have here Jimmy and Bacon. Yeah. Oh, Jimmy from the beginning. Jimmy and Kevin Bacon, Bacon Biss. They go for a walk on the beach. Stoner Beach. Yeah. And he's just like, <laughs> I don't know why you're going after him, man. He's like a great guy. And he's like, you know, Jimmy, he's not that great a guy. And he comes around to this abandoned boat and he finds blood and teeth. So he, but he just nonchalantly is like, hey, Jimmy, I'm going to be here for a while. So why don't you fuck off? Uh, and of course, then they <laughs> get them the- to hop a bus. It's like, yeah. dude, like, <laughs> I'm like 80 miles from home or some shit. <laughs> uh, yeah. Then the rest of the cops get down there and uh, his boss is down there and they're just like, uh, I want DNA. He's like, I mean, dental records could take a long time. DNA could take weeks to see if this is a match at all. Um, and the co- his boss is just like yells at him again. He's like, you are not to go near these people at all. Like, you are not doing any more cop stuff. And Sam recruits uh, Detective Perez, his sidekick lady cop. Uh, she's like, I-, I can't watch him, but you can go watch him. Um, and, yeah, she goes to watch him. Uh, she watches him take off his shirt. And I thought this was going to go someplace else, this whole thread between these two. Um, I thought maybe she was going to be in on this whole thing, or maybe he was going to kill too. her, or he was very much looked like he was about to bone her, uh, as the yeah. way it was headed, but, um, he just, like, he sees her out there, basically, he comes up and talks to her, invites her in, he's like, yeah, here's, uh, Kelly's file, I guess she's, uh, she's threatened, um, her mom and, uh, Nev Campbell before or something, I'm not real sure. Um, Basically, he's trying to throw her under the bus uh, as far as, like, suspicion for these disappearances or murders and whatnot. Um, I, I did love, just prior to that, um, Lady Cop is staking him out. And as you said, Sam is shirtless. And we cut back and forth between a phone conversation between him, him and Denise Richards. And they're both shirtless. <laughs> they're both alone at home shirtless. It's just like it's just like a weird bit of like maybe Kevin Bacon, aka the executive producer, uh, maybe he was like, We need to make this movie hotter. It's like, how can we do this? Like, well, we could do some of the dialogue scene shirtless. This yeah. <laughs> is like that, that would up the that would up the ante in terms of the hotness. It's just so goofy looking that yeah. two people on opposite ends of a phone conversation are both shirtless. I did note that too. I was just like, why is she in a, well, the, the thing, it'd be one thing if she had like her top off and she was in like underwear, if she was in like a bikini, she's wearing jeans and a bra. And she's not yeah, even wearing, she, yeah. They both have pants on. It's yeah. just shirts. Like she has her, she has her bra on. She just has jeans and a bra. <laughs> it, it didn't even look like she was like, that got stopped in the middle of getting dressed. It just makes, it's, it's like, why is she not No, she's shirt? walking around the house yeah. just like that. Yeah. Why would you have those jeans on? They're itchy and stiff, unless they're Chuck Norris action jeans. Yeah. And she's at the guest house. Uh, this, I mean, the chain of events moving forward, like, this is where it really, it really goes off the rails here moving forward. Um, I think we can get through this pretty quick because we're nearly done at this point. Uh, yeah. So, Bacon Bits goes to see Kelly. He forces his way into the guest house. We see him go in. There's a scuffle. Some gunshots happen. He comes out with his shoulder shot, and apparently he's killed uh, Kelly. Uh, I guess she... Yeah, the the mom runs into the room behind him and then screams, presumably because she found her dead daughter. Yeah. Um, And apparently... Uh, so Kevin Bacon is in front of a review board. They basically fire him, and they're like, this is not the first time this has happened. You've killed somebody in the line of duty, and it wasn't necessary. 
uh, and it does seem that Kelly was the one that killed Susie. So wrap that up, and uh, you're fired. <laughs> and yeah, you're fired. You did. You're fired. The dude didn't do it. Moving on. Yeah. <laughs> uh, cut to Sam on the beach, getting a a nice cocktail on the beach, and you know it looks like he's living it up. He's gone. We don't know where he's at exactly, but it seems like he's taken off. Um, and then he goes back to his cabana, and there's somebody in the shower. And I'm surprised he doesn't have a gun. Uh, but it's uh, Kevin. Yeah, Bacon. I know. after after the life he's lived up to this point, uh, yeah, you would think you'd just be always have it on you after that. <laughs> and I don't know if this guy was just like, we need more twists. We need twists. At the last the last part of the movie has to be twist after twist after twist. And I was thinking, I'm like, oh, if they were like gay lovers and like made up this whole thing i'm like okay that that's an interesting twist for this but you look at the runtime like there's still like another 15 20 minutes of this movie i'm like okay that's not what's going to be the case and it's not implied that that's the situation at all like it wasn't like a talented mr ripley like one-sided like you know kind of deal it's just like just a couple of bros uh pulling off a scam a couple of bros with a plan um yeah, uh, this would be the scene uh, that this film these days is might might be why it's most well known. Is yeah. this is Kevin Bacon surprise Kevin Bacon surprise Bacon bits in the shower and uh, surprise casual dong. Yeah, just casual penis, just uh, casual American penis. That not ca- that's very rare, dude. It was so rare. I think there's a there's a deleted scene in Knocked Up about uh, uh, uh like dick in movies he's just like i can handle seeing bruce willis's dick in uh color of night he's like i want to see more dick in movies it's like sounds like you want more dick in movies he's like i do it's like i can handle it just bring it on (laughs) and uh similar similar caliber of rarity as say bigfoot yeah (laughs) especially (laughs) in american (laughs) cinema in the 90s you had to be was that a dick this is this is a This is enough time on this. I'm like, oh, that's a dick. Like, there's, there, you don't even have to rewind it. Like, that's for sure. Um, it, it's unambiguous casual dick. It, you know what? Hats off to him. That Maybe that's the thing. He's like, yeah, we're going to make some of these scenes titillating, but don't worry. I'm going to show Hog, and I will balance this out. See, there's there's conflicting stories here. And this is why I, I top things by saying executive producer Kevin Bacon. Executive producer mm-hmm. Kevin Bacon. That usually means you are in a position of authority mm-hmm. on what the film is going to be, um, like be it during the production process or at the time of release. The story goes from the man himself is that he authorized the director to use whatever take they felt looked best or felt best, not knowing that his dong ended up in the final cut. Oh, really? I don't believe that for yeah. a second. Uh, executive executive producer Kevin Bacon more than likely viewed the film prior to its release and more than likely approved of his casual unambiguous dong. Oh uh, yeah, I think there was a meeting. He's like McNaughton, I'm gonna put up a fuss in the press and say that I didn't know, but you will put my dick in this movie. That will happen. I'm I'm sure verbatim. That's what the conversation. Sure. Was. I'm gonna show him why I'm top build in this. I, he is actually top he build. is top build. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> By the way, uh, before we get away from this, uh, very important because you actually were barking up the right tree. Um, I believe I read somewhere that I think it's in the screenplay. Um, they were supposed to be at least somewhat intimate with each other. Like they're supposed to like at least have a kiss or something, that showing sense. that they're at least bisexual. 
Um, which in 2022, and like no matter how you slice it, actually, I think that would have made the movie a lot more interesting. Mm-hmm. If if there was if there was this like truly bizarre love triangle, not even a triangle. I don't even what know what the fuck kind of geometry we're talking here but just like everybody fucking everybody kind of well, thing there's a i mean i love 30 rockets great but there there are some issues with uh sexuality in that show i mean there's a line where liz is like there's no such thing as bisexuals that's something they made up to sell something and i just that would have been interesting but i don't think they could have gone with the bisexual thread i don't think it would have I don't think people in, would in 1998. This, yeah. No, I, I I know for a fact in 1998 the producers probably not but Kevin Bacon being as it was in the screenplay, but apparently the people distributing the film were like, no, you, you, you can't have that in here. Like we need to sell this movie, and the world's not in a position to accept it. We're not ready for this just yet. <laughs> we, <laughs> we we canceled Ellen's show because she came out as gay. I like we're really uh, and I, we uh, Kyle's not wrong. Kyle's and we fired wrong. Rosie O'Donnell. I loved Rosie O'Donnell's show. It was so funny. I used to watch it when I stayed at my grandmother's and they're like, "No, no, no, she's she's gay. We're we're getting rid of her show now." Horseshit. Um, By the way, beer beer of choice, Kyle. He offers him a Coors. Yeah. Is this acceptable? Uh yeah. Uh they're both uh <laughs> These guys both uh, grew up as actors in the 80s. Coors was relevant. Um, Coors, <laughs> full-flavored Coors, it's not the worst you can do, but you can very much do better than regular old Coors. That does have a very nice can. It's like this this really nice light yellow, like just, just a very, very light yellow with the blue with the blue Coors logo. It's it's really classy can. Um but again, you can do much worse. Uh, this is where uh, this is where the movie turns into a soap opera. Uh, he's just like, he's just like, yeah, uh, the money's gonna take a couple of days. And Kevin Bacon's like, well, that's horse shit. And he's like, well, there's no Lou Wit, no more loose ends now, right? And he's just like, right, right. Uh, he's like, we should go on the boat tomorrow. I'm like, don't get on the boat. He's gonna kill you on the boat. That's what's gonna happen next. And that's exactly what happened next. <laughs> he tries to kill him on the boat. Yeah, never get on the boat, folks. Never, ever get on the boat. If you are in a murder mystery, never, ever get on the boat. If, you, if, if you're any, playing Dungeons and Dragons, do not get on the boat. If anybody has fucked a pool boy in the movie, then you're in a murder mystery. And that, I tell you right now, it absolutely happened in this movie. Because that mom is running through her staff like crazy. Uh, she has an insatiable appetite. She's that uh, lady from Mad TV. <laughs> oh, the cabana lady? <laughs> Apparently, that's a spoof of a real lady. Uh, that's a That was a real... Oh. That was a cable access show person, uh, apparently. Oh, shit. Yeah. I didn't know that, but I've seen that sketch more than a few times. It's very funny. Her dancing is fantastic, is. yeah. Um, I think Brian Callum was the pool boy. Uh, his best work. His Susie is... <laughs> Um, so they, he's just like, "Don't you uh, help me with the with the sale or whatever?" He's like, "I don't really want to." He's like, eh, "Do it," and he helps. He's like, "Oh, the line, it's stuck. I'm putting on my uh, my kit, my my Matt Dillon voice now." He's like, "Don't you uh, stick your head over the side there, just right over the side." I'm like, "How? St-? I'm like, how stupid do you need to be for this <laughs> this thing to work on you?" But he hits him with the uh, he hits him with the sale, knocks him over the side. He thinks he's gone, but he climbs back up, and just as they're about to get into a scuffle, boom! He gets hit with a harpoon. Yeah, he gets shot with a spear gun in the leg, and surprise, uh, Susie is on deck now, wearing a blonde wig. 
mm-hmm. um, and just before firing the next spear uh, into Kevin Bacon, Bacon Bits, uh, she says this is for Davy, essentially. Um, so Davy is something that we've been talking about uh, that presumably Kevin Bacon did something bad to someone named Davy who she knew, uh, who was important to her or something. Uh, she shoots him, he goes off the edge, and he is at sea, so he is he dies like it's yeah. not seen on screen but no you don't there's no coming back from that i'm <laughs> so like i don't care if you're kevin bacon i don't care if you can outrun a graboid you cannot swim back to shore but after that oh no he's chum um, he's chumming the water because he's bleeding pretty bad in this water i'm like he's going to be oh yeah soon. and we don't see any sharks but we do have a nifty cut to a gator at the farm mm. so it's like implied that some predator some aquatic predator of some sort is what you should be thinking about right now also i think this wig that nev campbell is wearing was the same wig that sharon stone had to wear in that last third of casino remember when her hair just gets absolutely (sighs) terrible yeah Uh, yeah it's it's for a very good movie that's pretty raggedy (laughs) it's bad um but yeah it, it, it's it's not as bad as what kate mara in uh the fantastic uh the fantastic four movie um it it's bad is that it's the bad. miles teller one yeah yeah i don't watch his movies uh i know of them but i don't watch them uh, i'll take your very talented one. actor i don't know if he picks the best movies though that's the problem yeah potato tomato uh Whip, whiplash is good you keep you can't take anything away you can't take whiplash from it i would never, i don't i don't like the guy either but you can't take whip i would him. never take whiplash away from anybody i understand it's a great film J- I mean, J.K. Simmons slapping him is one of the best things. But at the end, when he goes repeat, <laughs> at the end when he goes rogue and he's just like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, just mm-hmm, yeah, shaking his head. Uh-huh. It, it's really stupid. <laughs> um, sorry, but it's uh, so yeah. So yeah, now we've got Susie on the boat with Matt uh, with Sam, and then uh, Detective Perez talking to the Gator people, and yeah, yeah. Um, We're cutting back and forth, and we learn that Kevin Bacon used to bang Susie. Mm-hmm. And he shot Davey, who we never meet, uh, but we, we someone named Davey so, uh, was trying to protect her from Kevin Bacon, and he, he shot Davey and then somehow got away with it. Don't think he was banging Susie. He was banging a lady who Davey knew, oh. and that, that's in, that ended up happening, and Susie knew Davey. Um, oh, okay. Yeah, that makes I, think, sense. I think that's at least that's how I understood it. But you might be right as well. That could have been the thread. Um, the the lady at the Gator Farm speaks in very hazy terms. She says like a lady, like well, some lady in the swamp. Yeah, he leaves because later when you see him, he leaves the hotel room with just some lady. So I think that was supposed some to be, lady. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Let's see here. BB. Uh, who's this? Bacon bits killed Davy. Uh, now Sam doesn't trust Susie. Nor should he. Uh, no, you're still on the boat, buddy. <laughs> on the boat, but um, she gives him a drink, and uh, he's just like sniffing it. And she's like, "Why don't you trust me?" She's like, "I don't know how to sail. I, I'm not gonna. I'll be stuck out here if something happens to you." He's like, "Good point." And uh, he takes a big old sip, and then, oh, oh, wouldn't you know it? She poisoned it. Um, yeah. Apparently, Susie does know how to sail. She learned how to sail. Apparently, a long time Susie ago. knows a lot of things. Yeah. Uh, apparently, Susie was playing dumb like Fox the entire movie. Mm-hmm. Apparently, Susie is the smartest person in the room, but she was concealing that fact from everybody who she had major interactions with. 
Uh, so she, after he drinks, like very carefully after she, after he drinks, uh, she starts like telling him a bit of his life story back to him about how he's a big old fuck up uh, and has been trying to coast through life, cruising, as she says. Yeah. Um, and then she makes an allusion to uh, Greek mythology uh, in the form of Medea. Uh, and she says, like, hey, pop quiz, hot shot. Uh, how did Medea kill King Creon? Um, and she's like, oh, poison. And he's like, oh, yeah, poison. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's funny. The only thing I know about Medea is that uh, I think she was like a jilted lover. Like, she's tied in with Jason of the Argonauts. And then they were kind of an item for a while. And then I think he started fucking someone else. And she got really mad and she started killing people. Hmm. It's a common, it's a common refrain in a lot of Greek mythology, but that's all I know about Medea. I don't know about this particular detail, but she also bops him with the sail, demonstrating that she knows how to drive the boat or mm-hmm. sail, the, sail the ship or whatever you want to say. Uh, and he gets knocked off into the ocean, just like Kevin Bacon. Uh, cut to the gator real quick again, and uh, Lady Cop talks to the the guy from the Punisher movie, and uh, she questions him about a boat that he's selling. And uh, he makes it known that, oh, this was Susie's boat. Uh, she's she's missing. Like, she doesn't seem to ever be coming back, so I'm going to sell it on her behalf. And Lady Cop is starting to piece together, I think Susie was a secret genius. Also, he tells her, like, her IQ was off the charts, because that means something. Mm-hmm. Uh, so basically, yeah, we're learning here that Susie was a secret genius. Uh, and then uh, we cut to the ocean, and uh, a crossfade of Matt Dillon floating and presumably seconds away from drowning. We see Susie at sea alone, and then we get, like, one second of a title card saying the end, followed by the front credits of the film cutting back and forth to pieces of the puzzle, information that would have been useful to us yesterday, if you will. Um, Scenes that fill in some of the blanks that we had. And um, first we have uh, Susie confronting Sam with photos of him in his office at school, uh, it's photos of him banging Kelly in a motel room. And I, I think there's an implied doing coke, which, I mean, yes, banging a high school student is very problematic, but also giving them coke along the way, that's that's pretty dark, dude. That, that's not okay. In the unrated cut, it's explicit doing coke. Whoa. Um, and it's also Denise Richards giving it to him. Ah. She's the one who possesses it, and she offers it to him. They meet up at the at the shrimp shack or whatever the fuck it is, she, and they go off and fuck together. Sarah Michelle Geller does coke in uh, Cruel Intentions. We were really pushing cocaine on high schoolers back in the nineties. Jeez, um, uh, it seems to be like a, a class thing. Like it's yeah. like what rich what rich fuck ups do. Yeah, uh, I was gonna say. Do you remember if you remember Twenty One Jump Street? But they like go to the. They're like gonna plan a whole high school party. And they're like, let's get some booze. And it's like, let's get some uh, weed. He's like, yeah, we'll get some weed to bring to him. He's like, Coke? He's like, we're trying to show him a good time, not ruin their fucking lives. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good time. Yeah, and then anytime I'm seeing like high schoolers doing Coke, I'm like, oh, that's a slippery slope. I don't, I don't think you should be doing that. Um, but yes, there's more. There's more. Yeah. Yeah, but wait, there's more. Uh, so we get Susie and Sam uh, staking out the motel uh, where she tells Sam, hey, you should rope bacon bits into our little scheme that you know we having just watched the movie know what she's talking about so basically we're discovering she was the ringleader mm-hmm. um after the fact and then we get a uh, sam being instructed by Susie on how to pull her teeth Dude, out this this uh, does not and happen he, he can't do it so she does it herself 
I've seen Danger Aaron. This would Aaron. not happen. No, no, no. I saw Danger Aaron in Jackass 3 get his tooth yanked out uh, by Bam in a Lamborghini. Great shot. <laughs> Great moment in that movie. But I'm like, one, somebody pulling your teeth out with pliers without you being held down, not going to happen. Pulling your own tooth out, unless it's already loose. I've definitely seen, uh, I did see Fed Smoker. He did knock a tooth out, but I think that thing was already coming out. That thing had some help. Uh, it had some help in the form of fucking meth. Meth, yeah. <laughs> he had meth mouth. Um, <laughs> yeah, dude, it's not happening. I'm like, that's probably the the one thing in the whole movie that's the least likely out of anything. It's the least realistic element yeah. of the entire movie. She calls him um, a pussy. Yeah, um, he's like, he's like, <laughs> like gagging because he doesn't want to do it. I mean, the, the one thing that like folks need to understand, and I'm sure you know folks know this, but often probably forget, the teeth are very long. And very they have connected. very deep roots. Yeah. They're really dug in there. They are not meant to come out. Yeah. Um, so yes, uh, doing this by yourself, oh my god, it would be agony. Having someone else do it to you, you would probably be thrashing yeah. and kicking them and screaming. It would be a fucking production is what it would be. Yeah. Uh, um, but yeah, we get, um, what is it? Uh, Kelly and Kevin Bacon fight. We actually get to see mm-hmm. how it went down. Because before all of it happened, we saw it in silhouette and we heard it. This time we just get the sequence playing out in real time um and basically what happens is she she comes at him Mm -hmm. like she just straight up starts assaulting him as soon as he comes into the room and then he gets out of hand actually he's chewed out uh by uh sam later on apparently she wasn't supposed to die she wasn't supposed to die yeah so she beats on him like she kicks him in the nuts and scratches his face and then he takes it a step further and breaks uh, a glass case that she has with guns in it loaded guns as far as i know um probably not the best way to store those um and he shoots himself in the arm with her gun and then shoots her with his gun and my like this is like deep forensics bullshit that probably isn't real but like what came to my mind was like so if you were to use ad- like advanced ballistics to determine the angle of this particular gunshot, what you would find is that this this man shot a woman laying down on her back mm-hmm. twice in the chest. <laughs> it's, it's like, that's questionable. It's like, self-defense. She was laying on her back. <laughs> like, like I, I guess you shot him from the ground, maybe? <laughs> like, that's the idea? There's a shot through the hand. That's probably a defensive wound. <laughs> 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 uh yeah uh, and the last bit here is uh bill murray uh confronting Susie on the beach after everything all after the dust is settled uh and he gives her her final payout and then the last little line in the movie is she's walking off with her suitcase full of money and he says Susie, be good be good it's cute <laughs> I like he, he takes her leftover drink he just kind of like smiles and like score he also munches on uh matt Dillon's garden as well oh does he? <laughs> like he just helps that. himself to some herbs it's just in the area uh yeah um but yeah that was it um yeah very like like we said at the top very silly not a good movie necessarily but engaging um Definitely has some writing issues, uh, the way they handle some of the themes, but definitely not the worst movie we've seen. Absolutely not. No, this this is solidly in the middle of the of the 
erotic thrillers that we watched this month this one was a pretty fun watch mm-hmm. it, it never lost me i was never bored um it's just it, i would have liked it to go a little bit further be a little bit crazier from time to time but it's by by no means a bad film this was kind of a fun watch honestly mm-hmm. um but yeah that was our discussion of john mcnaughton's wild things from 1998 therefore uh closing uh no nut november um but before we go i just wanted to like very quickly um, just you know celebrate our 200th episode our unexpected 200th episode here uh, and i figure the way we can do this is just i jotted down uh, the titles of some of our uh, episodes throughout our entire catalog of catching up on cinema episodes that i thought were you know remarkable in their own right uh, so kyle uh first of all our first posting ever the predator Masterclass. Um, it's very notable in this, the first thing we ever did, but it's also got some liabilities in the, in the sense that it's the first thing we ever did. (laughs) So it's very haphazardly constructed. I don't know if you even remember it. It was at least four years ago. A long time Um, ago. But the timing of it worked out really well because we did end up going to the theater together. One of the few times we've done that, um, to watch, uh, Shane Black's The Predator and do a, a theatrical edition review of that one. That movie's not very good, Mm-mm. but I had a fun I had a fun time watching it with you, and it was fun talking about it. Um, also noteworthy early in our career as as podcasters, our an episode number one, and this was a Kyle pick, um, and this was kind of a big deal uh, for me, but also for Kyle especially. It was nothing but trouble. Mm-hmm. Dan Aykroyd's nothing but trouble, Kyle. Have you watched that since we've reviewed it? Mm, I don't think so. Okay, well, I remember you were very hyped. As soon as I proposed the idea of doing the podcast, this was the first movie you you absolutely wanted to do. You were like, that, we got to do nothing but trouble. Because I hadn't seen it at that point, and you are like, you you got to see it, and, and we have to talk about it. It's such an oddity. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a strange one. <laughs> I always think of it as misplaced resources, the motion picture, where it's just like it has strengths. Like it looks amazing at times. The the sets, the costuming, even the soundtrack's pretty cool. I think it's Michael Kamen. Um, but my God, it, it's such a kooky, just strange film mm-hmm. in so many ways. Also, an early one, another Kyle pick, The Counselor. Oh yeah, um, Ridley You're Scott's The Counselor. You're- yeah. Thanks for that one. Now I now I know um, what it looks like uh, for a for a woman to display her dominance over a man. That's in one the form way of that's sure. That's yeah, that, that is that is one way to achieve that. Mm. <laughs> as to have have your way with a vehicle whilst your man watches. Mm. Quite the scene. Yeah. <laughs> that movie is filled with quite like quite amazing scenes. Mm-hmm. It really is. Uh, not the least of which being um, a piece of metal equipment put around brad pitt's neck at one point i was running today and thought about that scene uh every i think (laughs) that'll get you to go a little faster (laughs) i think about it often because i'm just like how did he not know that was coming why would there be somebody running around that area of uh london but yeah great stuff yeah um another good early one i think this oh this was most certainly a me pick and one that actually got kyle thinking about um revisiting this person's filmography uh, because we actually to date as far as i know have never revisited it on catching up on cinema deep rising Mm -hmm. uh, from the director of the mummy films uh treat williams is quite the snack as the kids would say and uh i think it would be a lot of fun to go back and look at some of his films uh we also used to do a lot of uh compare and contrasts with movies uh Mm -hmm. the thing 
uh, both the the 2011 and the 1982 John Carpenter version. That was a that was a fun conversation, and a very good way of covering both of those movies in one go. Uh, the Dark Backward absolutely needs to be cited as perhaps the strangest film we've ever talked about. That was a Matt pick. Uh, my brother Matt picked that one very early, and that I don't even know it's, what the fuck that was. It's a it's a it's a photo finish between that and We Are the Flesh between the two most confusing movies I've seen in my life. I mean, we are brothers. <laughs> I picked that one. We are the flesh. Tenemos la carne. But yeah, the dark backward Judd Nelson and a youngish Bill Paxton. That That is a very strange film. Uh, I need to thank you for getting me to watch Lock, Stock, and Two Smoking Barrels. Mm-hmm. Hadn't seen that one. Um, an early one that's important to me that I think is probably a trash episode um, is Versus, uh, mm. Yuhei Kitamura's Versus. Um, I recently rewatched that on a uh, Blu-ray. Uh, I previously had only seen it on terrible uh, bootleg DVD, um, but I picked up the Arrow Blu-ray, which actually has a different cut of the movie, which was a, which was a fun nostalgia watch for me. But my gut tells me I probably could have done a lot better with that episode. Uh, hopefully, you had fun watching that one. Um, an early one, but apparently our most listened to episode in history. I, I, I need to figure out like how search search engines work or how SEO works because uh, the ninth gate mm-hmm. uh, is our most listened to episode, and I have no fucking clue why. On certain platforms, I believe the edge is there we have some episodes that have really high uh listens on youtube and i think the edge is one of the biggest ones on youtube yeah actually that's very important to note our our podcast listens are fairly stable for the most part like we don't have remarkable numbers but for whatever the fuck reason our review of the edge has like twenty seven thousand listens or views or whatever however you want to categorize it i don't know how that shit works but it's probably just a case where not that many people have reviewed that movie. Mm-hmm. It really ought to, though, uh, because I thought that was a great episode. Uh, that one, that one, I get. The Ninth Gate, I, I'm just like, Johnny Depp smokes and reads books. Yeah. Like, that's the movie. <laughs> it's like, it it's works, a great episode. It works but, somehow. But the movie, it's like, yeah, I, I don't get it. But uh, Three Musketeers, I know that was a huge one for you. Love it. Uh, maybe my most listened to episode as far as our own work is concerned. I've gone back and listened to that one a couple of times. Uh, Creed 2 for me and my brother, that was a great one just because the Rocky franchise is so important uh, to me and my brother. That was a good excuse to just talk Rocky for a couple hours. Um, Both Catching Up on Cage and Catching Up on Keanu months uh, were great projects that I would love to revisit. Had a lot of fun with those. In particular, Catching Up on Cage, I think, was a rousing success if only for you know getting kyle to watch bad lieutenant mm-hmm. <laughs> uh troy duffy month um was unexpectedly awesome i'm still hoping we get a boondock saints three trevor i wake up every morning hoping that my news feed will have boondock saints three is in production i'm just i'm waiting for it <laughs> every day is it christmas is it christmas yet <laughs> <laughs> No, I'm like seriously, folks. Like, we know the Boondock Saints movies aren't great. We know Troy Duffy is a scumbag, but I will, I will mm-hmm. actually pay into a Kickstarter for that movie. Yes, like I, I desperately need that movie in my life mm-hmm. um, for a variety of strange reasons. Um, Triple Threat was also a big one for me and my brother. Um, that was a 
Jesse V. Johnson movie with Scott Adkins and a lot of other high-profile martial arts talent of the day uh, that screened in American theaters for, I think, exactly one day. And uh, I dragged my brother out to the theater to watch it. Um, so that was a fun little project for me personally. The Beach uh, was a really good find, Kyle. I had never seen that, but Kyle insisted we watch that. I'm, uh, that was a good one. I'm actually in the process. I've been trying to get people to watch Hereditary for four years now, but The Beach is <laughs> the other one, the other film that I'm trying to get people to watch. I'm like, it's really an underrated film. I feel like it was a victim of its advertising because I remember seeing the commercials and thinking it looked like a stinker, mm-hmm. um, but it is absolutely not what was advertised, and it's so much better for it. The turn, the, the turn that that movie takes in the third act is just crazy no, it's it's straight up a very good movie and probably underseen honestly mm-hmm. but um hydra is another one that's important to me personally um it's the first time i ever uh got a screener link for a film um which is something kyle and i are working on right now yes um reviewing a contemporary film that's currently in the screening process um hydra was a movie that i believe i got a link from a film combat syndicate um and they were very kind to give me that uh, to give me early access to that movie which i have on blu-ray right now nice. um green room kyle excellent pick mm-hmm. um, a movie i had not seen a movie we did uh, because i think we were talking about actors who had passed away recently um anton yelchin is in that film and green room is excellent um, it's a it's a fun little bottle drama that has a beautiful pace to it it is absolutely brutal at times mm-hmm. um and everybody shows the fuck up uh, like the performances are outstanding it's great um Another weird one was uh, we, we've done this, I think, exactly twice on the show, is we've done a, a twofer where one episode hosts mm-hmm. two different reviews, and that would be Highway to Hell and Audition, mm-hmm. which Highway to Hell, I can hand wave that away as being kind of a waste, but Audition, Takashi Miike's Audition, that was a movie I'd been reading about for 20 years, and I'm so glad I, I had us watch it. Yeah, precisely. Yeah. <laughs> now, now we both get the reference, and yeah. we're we're better critics for it. Um, the other twofer that we had, I think, was uh, the Lure, mm-hmm. uh, which was a is that Polish? Yeah, um, Polish film. It's a Polish uh, horror musical uh, that is in the Criterion Collection. And then we did the most absurd pairing of that and Halloween Kills. Yeah, because Kyle and I had we both had plans to review Halloween Kills, and we just had to yell about it like immediately and but we were in the middle of doing the review for the lure and it was just kind of like you know what we got to do a hard pivot and just just yell for for an hour and it worked out beautifully i was gonna say the lure was it it is uh there's something about it that is good i'm not sure what it is exactly but there just wasn't enough for us to talk about i'm like but there is enough for us to talk about halloween kills i think because we wanted to bash on that a bit I think that might be one of our better episodes as well. Um, I had a lot of fun doing that, conducting that conversation, but I, I remember listening to it and really liking it. Um, Twister, I know, is a very important one to Kyle. Mm-hmm. Um, we are really excited to both have a chance to revisit that one. That's like a borderline annual v- watch for you. Mm-hmm. Is that right? Uh, yeah, uh, twice this year. Yeah. Yeah. Similarly, St. Elmo's Fire. Um, was a really big episode that we actually put off a lot because it's like the time isn't right. We need we need to we need to build up to Saint Elmo's Fire. <laughs> like yeah. like we're not worthy yet. <laughs> but I was so excited for that because mm-hmm. Kyle had hyped it up quite a lot. Uh, both he and I have a soft spot for Joel Schumacher, mm-hmm. and that is just a 
a bad movie, but it's a really good bad movie. Um, Before the Devil Knows You're Dead, that's Oof. another Kyle pick that would never, ever have found its way onto my radar, but I'm really glad that you put it there, because that's a great-ass movie. It really is. Um, absolutely brutal, but great. Um, Dawn of the Dead, uh, aside from my botched audio quality, um, great collaboration we did oh. with Brad from the Cinema Speak podcast. Yeah. Uh, I have a couple of flubs here um, in the form of me fucking up the technicals, so I'll point that out as we go. Naked Lunch, mm. uh, I had a lot of fun talking about that one with you, the Cronenberg film. Uh, that was part of Peter Weller month. Um, Cape Fear, the both the original and the remake, uh, that was a great conversation. Uh, that's an episode I could go back and listen to anytime. Uh, Terminator 2 was basically just the Chris Farley yeah. show. Yeah, um, but that was like episode 100, I believe. So it was like we got to do something big. And T2, it doesn't get much bigger as far as 90s kids movies go. Um, Kill List uh, was a really, really great find. Um, Brad, again from Center Speak podcast, I did that with him, and uh, I didn't know anything going in, and that is exactly the right way to watch that movie. Uh, in Bruges, another Kyle pick fantastic i knew it was good i didn't know it was that fucking good um and my brother hyped it up you hyped it up and finally i I watched it and it was fantastic a really cool find for both of us um that i would actually like to check out this director's um most recent film um the wolf of snow hollow Mm -hmm. that that is a small movie that i don't expect many people have seen or heard of but uh damn that was a hell of a find like that that was fantastic um die hard with your brother obviously that was a fun one nick thank you for joining us on die hard that was a great way to round out the holiday season um, which we'll be heading into again shortly um all the the video game related movies were fun for me i don't know about for you but like street fighter with my brother and i believe super mario brothers with uh, the snescapades folks uh, steampunk link and emmy zero uh, that was great fun. Um, I believe we did The Fifth Element and The World's End with uh, the folks from Grief Burrito. Mm-hmm. Um, the World's End in particular, that was a rowdy, fun episode. That I believe also had some technical issues on my part, so apologies to all around. Um, Mortal Kombat, uh, for the longest time, held the distinction as being our very longest episode. Um, held that title for quite some time, and for, it, it earned it, because Mortal Kombat's very special to both of us. Um mm-hmm. I do. I am in the process of framing the poster you got me, Kyle. Nice, um, nice. I need to find a home for that one, but I'm in the process of getting it framed as we speak. Uh, Kyle got me an original theatrical edition poster of Paul W.S. Anderson's Mortal Kombat. Um, On Deadly Ground was one that I hyped up for a really long time, and I think I think the hype. I think we measured up to the hype because mm. that was a that's a another good bad movie. A lot of fun. Um, I will point out that Atomic Blonde. Um, I undervalued until Kyle had had us rewatch it because um, I saw it in the theater and I thought it was good. But then we went back and we watched it together and we talked about it and I was like, "Holy shit! I think this is great." <laughs> Kyle was telling me that like Kyle was talking at me about an action <laughs> film and shame on me for not listening. <laughs> okay, um, I will point out that the uh, theatrical edition of the director's cut of Rocky Four uh, was a special little project that I took it upon myself to do a solo review of again it's screened in theaters very very briefly it's more of a novelty than an actual good movie but i you know i love rocky and it was a nice chance to see rocky four in a fucking theater uh blood freak again 
with a uh, steampunk link that was that was a fun thanksgiving season movie um truly bizarre movie worth looking up um if you want to watch some strange schlock cinema um force majeure that was a that was a really fun watch um it's when we were doing a lot of foreign films um similarly not a foreign film but pig the nicholas cage film that was that was one that i know both you and i were hyped up for and uh, it delivered mm-hmm. uh, i quite like that movie um similarly insomnia is a movie that i knew to have a brilliant reputation uh, not the uh, christopher nolan remake but the original um i was really impressed with the original i still haven't seen the remake honestly uh blair witch 2 i will point out i've totally botched um there was a technical snafu where uh, there was like a failed data transfer kyle and i actually recorded an entire episode on that that just disappeared mm. uh, so i ended up doing a solo uh, kind of nothing little review of it uh, very hastily so that's a that's a lost episode uh, which is very unfortunate um dragon ball evolution with your brother nick uh where kyle just you could have taken a shit for two hours yeah. and it wouldn't have changed things. I'm sorry, Kyle. That oh. probably wasn't very fun for I, you. <laughs> I had fun reading the IMDb reviews. I have made myself useful. Oh, yeah, that's right. Kyle found a way to keep himself busy because Nick and I were the Dragon Ball experts in the room. So we just kind of Chris Farley showed back and forth about bullshit like that. And Kyle's just like, I'm just going to read some bullshit off the Internet and hope for the best. <laughs> uh, Alpha Dog. Uh, I meant we mentioned it during the episode, but Alpha Dog, that movie again, the advertising made it look like straight garbage. But when we when you watch that movie, it's a beautiful train wreck. Mm-hmm. It, but it's intentional. Like like, like it, you're not meant to like anyone in that movie mm-hmm. except for Anton Yelchin. Yeah. And I don't know what it is about that movie, but I really enjoy it. Yeah. There's. Um, it's got MSG. It's just like I'm a, I I like it. I don't know why. It's just something in the something in the recipe. <laughs> it's got MSG. <laughs> um, as far as like really recent episodes go, The Northman and Prey. Mm-hmm. Um, I had a lot of fun with those. I think we had a long stretch where you and I maybe, like maybe we were busy with real life shit and we couldn't do episodes regularly or something. But like we came back and came out swinging because yeah. both of those are really fun episodes. We got really rowdy on those. Nice. Um, and just the. Uh, the formats, the the masterclass format. We've done all like the first chunk of X Men films. We've done the Indiana Jones movies, including the bad one. Hopefully, not to be uh, added onto with the next one that's coming oh, out soon. I think it'll be uh, up we there. did. We did all of the Batman movies, which I'm sure Kyle still disagrees with me. But regardless of how you feel about the movie itself, the Batman episode, I was very very proud of but you know we we have personal disagreements about the quality of that film as a whole but i felt in spite of that that was a very good episode very long but very similar to the movie but very good apparently i'm the outlier because i have several friends that adore it they think that it's the best batman i've ever seen so full disclosure the girlfriend didn't like it at all okay so you're not alone our girlfriend also didn't like it um we did all the alien movies um I thought we did a great job, except for maybe the first one. I feel like maybe we were both a little asleep at the wheel on the first one, but all the other ones we did a fantastic job with. And, of course, where it all began, Predator. Um, And, of course, got to thank Brad for keeping up uh, with the Tales from the Tales from the Shelf episodes, uh, which I'm struggling to get up on the YouTube. Uh, Live streaming is very difficult uh, with my current setup, but trying. 
but that's a fun monthly project as well as the catching up on blu-ray episodes i, I enjoy doing those even though they uh, take a lot of time and effort so hopefully folks out there enjoy those as well and as well as our most recent addition to our episode formats my brother pissed on me mm-hmm, mm-hmm. kyle and his brother nick have recently started doing new episodes in the form of a little project we call my brother pissed on me yeah um the, do you have any plans for future installments kyle i do i do have a few plans uh there's a couple of movies i'd like nick and i to cover from our childhood that we watched a ton that made no sense on why we watched them uh, and i doubt that you have, even, have ever even heard of them nor would you even want to watch them <laughs> so um yeah there's just a couple like she devil drop dead fred uh there's just a couple that were just really silly um i would like to get nick on here to talk about little monsters but i'd like that to be a real episode because that's a that movie is it's worth it's it's remarkable i really would like to talk about it someday very scary for a child yes yes it's it's quite a film um but yeah yeah so that's my list, Kyle. Okay. Do you have any any titles you want to yeah. dig into? There's going to be some some shared ones in there for sure. Uh, Bad Lieutenant, Port of Call, uh, New Orleans, fantastic. I'd never seen it. Probably one of the, my favorite uh, movies that you've picked for me to watch. Really high up there. Um, Death of Superman Lives was a fascinating documentary, uh, and I'm really upset that that movie does not exist. It's really a shame. Uh, and if I ever win the lottery. I will do everything in my power to try to greenlight it again. Um, Deep Rising. Yeah, Grand Moff Tarkin, Nick Cage. Anything you got to do. Oh, no. Any computers you got to throw at them. (laughs) I will spend all the money to get the license to to, to fucking Superman, and he will play Superman. Um, (laughs) Deep Rising, which was also a lot of fun. I've been jonesing to rewatch that one. Um, It's just right around the corner, but I want to buy it, but it's like $17.99 to buy it right now on Amazon, so I'm just like, uh, I don't know about that. Yeah, the the Kino Blu-ray for that one is oddly expensive mm. i've even found it used out in the wild and for whatever reason the price tag's fairly high on it maybe they didn't print many of it easy uh alien covenant was a good one because i kind of went in going into rewatching that ep- that movie for the episode thinking that i was going to hate it and i'm like after actually after watching it in our discussion i'm like i actually like it a lot more and it's for whatever reason it's one of my favorite of the alien movies which is i'm sure shocking for some people <laughs> who shocking for me yeah it's... Uh, see it's the flip side of the batman yeah. uh, because kyle and i both dis- we disagree on that one i think it has truly outstanding moments but as a whole i, I just i'm not defending I, it I, 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 I just don't get it I'm not... i don't have to understand it to like it i'm not defending it uh and then there's some movies that i just use the podcast as, a, as an excuse to watch uh cannibal holocaust although i didn't necessarily enjoy the film i do think that it was a, an important one for us to like actually see and i think it was a decent conversation i don't remember the the episode itself but it was a using the podcast as a reason to watch it was good um another trevor pick that i actually liked was spl i don't remember the conversation the the donnie yen movie but that in battle scene with the big boy is uh is something or not the in battle scene but his battle scene with the big boy is pretty good um gamira 2 which was uh, a lot of fun that was our cold thing we do were doing like cold weather movies kyle's cold christmas kyle's cold christmas um i love the graphic i made for that <laughs> for that month it's like uh jack torrance yeah. and dr evil yeah uh, both in cryo state <laughs> <laughs> uh 
Um, also using the podcast to, like, I didn't have a good Peter Weller movie that I had in mind, but uh, Naked Lunch, which is to date my favorite Cronenberg movie, um, is, is, there's just something about the, uh, about the sets and the lighting in that movie that I just really love. Uh, Captain Blood, which, uh, which was, I have to thank you for uh, getting me to watch an Errol Flynn movie. I, I have my man crush, uh, Errol Flynn. Um, <laughs> Kill List, I was not on that episode, but it's one that I'm glad that you actually watched and reviewed. So I, I was happy that that yeah, episode exists. I, I do remember you recommending that. Mm-hmm. Like, like you weren't able to show up for that episode, but I remember you giving it like the thumbs up. Like, like that's worth checking out. Um, and then Antichrist, I was excited to finally talk to talk to you about a Lars von Trier movie and I feel like of the ones I've seen I'm like that's the mo- that's the best one that's the best one to have a conversation yeah. about what what was the film that you lent me prior to watching that one because I, I had never seen a Lars von Trier film up to that point the element of crime which it's a crime that there's not a blu-ray release of that on the criterion in the criterion collection I don't know why it doesn't have a blu-ray but it it's it's uh it's a mood, it's a vibe, and it's cinematography. It's really just about the cinematography and the shots in that movie. It's it's special, yeah. I, I don't know if the uh, I don't know if the HDification of that movie would hurt or help it honestly because mm. it has a griminess to it that you know the single like the standard definition viewing of it maybe helps it a little bit to have it really muddy like that. Um, but you're absolutely right. It, it's quite interesting to look at. Mm-hmm. Um, War of the Worlds, which I don't think I watched. I bought the, I blind bought the the Criterion release because it was new around that time. I'm like, let's do an episode on that. I really, I've watched it a couple of times since then. Um, uh, Black Christmas, which was a fun one. Uh, that I had a good yeah. time with that. Surprise! I was surprised yeah. at how good it was. Um, Wolf of Snow Hollow. Again, that was just we thought it was going to be something different, but it ended up being better and really a lot of fun. Uh, surprisingly. Um, Saint Maud. It's uh, Jim Jim Cummings. Jim by Cumming, the way, yeah. I think is the name of the actor director in that. Uh, Saint Maud, which was again, I used the podcast as a reason to watch to get a movie in. Uh, excellent. One of my favorite episodes that we've covered: Punisher War Zone. Uh, <laughs> yeah. In the War Zone. It's <laughs> such a great movie. I haven't watched it this year. I'm due for my rewatch. Um, atom- oh man, that's that's like our first taste of of Rob Zombie prior to doing a whole month dedicated to the man because mm-hmm. he he made a song like an original song for the end credits of that one. Ah. Uh, Atomic Blonde, which uh, I did try to rewatch the other night, but I just got sleepy. I'm like, all right, I'm just gonna go to bed. But I'm gonna try to rewatch it. I do have that on Blu-ray. And then uh, the last couple are Shirley, which was the Elizabeth Moss month, which was a lot of fun. But I think that was probably my favorite film that we pulled from there. Um, and then Pig was the last one. I'm like, yeah, I we were hyped going into it, weren't quite sure where it was going to go, and it didn't go the direction that I thought it was going to, but it ended up being a really great film. Um, but yeah, these are mostly just ones that either you recommended or ones that I used the podcast as, as a reason to actually watch for the first time. And these are just the ones that I felt that were good conversations and also just coming out the other side I'm like I actually really like that film except for Cannibal Holocaust I, I'm not going to say that I like that film <laughs> yeah you, you watched that I watched. you experienced I that experienced movie <laughs> yes, I don't recommend it to people yeah you, you have to know who you are going in Yeah, uh, that is not for everybody but yeah. uh, good picks Kyle great picks in fact um, Shirley is one that I had forgotten about but damn uh, that probably was the standout of Elizabeth Moss month like 
I think all of them were good, like like honestly, but I think that was the one that stood out the most. Um, I think I cheated a little bit there. Um, I think it, the square is one of the picks that I did when you were not present. Mm -hmm. um, I did that on the recommendation of my brother Matt because um, uh, he has a man crush on Clay's Bang, uh, mm -hmm. who, we, who we would later see in The Northman. Um, and he's the star of that film. And Elizabeth Moss is in that film, but it is not a showcase of Elizabeth Moss. So I, I kind of like finessed that one into the schedule because Kyle wasn't around for that one. So that was a solo from me. But Shirley was very good like like subtly very very good mm -hmm. um invisible man was good too but just doing an elizabeth moss month was one of those things i never would have even considered if not for talking to kyle because uh, he he was the one who put that one forward and ended up being a really solid month her smell was also very good as well um yeah it was something i forget it, it was something, it was something. I, I would put Shirley above it um but it is a film <laughs> for sure um, but yeah, I'm not sure what we're going to... I think what the plan is for December is uh, Killer Santa yeah. of some sort. Yeah. I'm not sure what we're calling that month, um, but I think that's the theme. It's kind of funny because I'm I'm pretty hyped for that Violent Night movie with David Harbour. Um, that comes out, I think, the 2nd of December. Uh, so I'm not sure when we'll be do getting around to that one. But um, yeah, look forward to Killer Santa's next month. <laughs> So we'll we'll ring in our uh, post two hundredth episode uh, celebration with killer Santas. Uh, but that being said, uh, thank you to everybody out there who's ever listened to the show. We really appreciate it. And we, you know, personally, I don't know, I can't speak for Kyle, but I personally would love to hear uh, from anybody out there who gives a shit about the show and or would like to tell us how bad we are at our jobs. Uh, just you know, to hear from the audience is something that I'd be fascinated to do. Um, so feel free to hit me up on the Twitter or the Instagram, and I'll tell you where you could do that in just one second. Um, so uh, the website uh, is experiencing some issues at the moment, so it, it has not been updated as regularly. But you can find most of our episodes uh, collected on our website at catchinguponcinema.com. Uh, and my Instagram is uh, Catching Up on Cinema, and my Twitter is Catching Cinema. So feel free to hit me up at either of those. Uh, and you can find the podcast on pretty much every platform you can imagine, including Bitcade. Uh, so fucking Google it, man. Um, that being said, thank you so much for listening. Uh, thank you so much, Kyle, uh, for doing the show for 200 plus episodes. Uh, and we will catch you next time. 